This is Cinema Roundtable. My name's Jake, and it's the most wonderful time of the year. We got Jared. I'm right here. Erica. Thanks for having me. And Bo. Hello. Yeah, so because... If if Bo is here, it probably means one thing. It's time for end year end lists, right? Oh yeah. Um, you, Someone couldn't make it usually is why I'm here. But <laughs> yeah, that's you, the other reason you graced us with your presence last year. I know for the for the year end list, and we're glad to have you back again. Um, like I was saying before we started this, um, this is like my favorite. Uh, episode of the year. It's kind of a, a marathon, but it's so much fun to kind of recap um, all the great things that we've seen over the year and also get to see what other people enjoyed. Um, but I think we, the Oscar nominations came out early. Was that this week, Tuesday? Mm-hmm. It was. Yep. Yep. This Tuesday. Uh, and there has been some talk, oh, yeah. let's just say. Um, so, Initial thoughts about then? Erica had something. So, I mean, of course, I have to bring up the egregious Oscar snub that is on everyone's mind right now. And that is, how on earth did Tonic the Cat not get Best Supporting Actor uh, for his powerful performance in Eli Roth's Thanksgiving? (laughs) I I think it was like Aaron Sorkin or somebody like that who once was like, they should give Oscars to animals. They should. Like there should be a best animal or performance by an animal in a movie. Because I think he was like, that horse in War Horse had a great performance (laughs) or something like that. Yeah. There's an animal performance I can think of from 2023 that is excellent. It's on my mind. Is it in your list? Uh, It is. Ooh, okay. So we'll bring it up there. So we'll have competing animal nominations for awards. You know what? There's got to be five nominations. I know. There can't be just one. No. So... (laughs) Um, But I think the big, (laughs) other than the cat, obviously, um, the big one is Barbie. Yeah. um, Which I don't even know how we want to dive into this because it's baffling, honestly. I mean, like eight nominations is generous, but for something to get best picture and not have the director nominated for best director is really strange to me. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, there's 10 films that are nominated for best picture, Mm -hmm. only five director slots. So somebody is going to get left off. And I I mean, what I'll say is that the the directors that did get nominated, I think uh, other than one, which movie I did not see, I think did a very good job, very competitive year. But at the same time, you look at a movie like Barbie, huge critical and commercial success. Um, Yes, they did nominate a woman um, for Anatomy of the Fall. Um, so they got people off their back probably for that. Um, Tiny bit. But also, I think given the subject matter of the, the film, uh, the Gerwig and Robbie snubs kind of seem mm-hmm. to ring true. Um, I've seen a lot of shade thrown at Ryan Gosling. And I'm just like... Uh, I don't yeah, think he he's not in control of it. That's not his yeah. fault. And say. honestly, like, unless I'm mistaken about how the nominations happen... It is no one person's fault, right? No. Because it is it is an it's average. A collective. It's a collection of votes. Mm-hmm. Um, it is baffling, though. Like I agree with you, Erica. It's surprising, I guess. Yeah, you would expect it's those two to have been nominated in so many 
other categories and then not you know not include the director and it's also why not why not add more director slots more the, like that's also like why limit it to five that, is the that, other question that's always been something i've thought about is that obviously the academy doesn't have restrictions for certain things like best picture has this year it's 10 it used to be five mm-hmm. it's been eight or nine i think it's just whatever clears a certain threshold of uh, votes, so like, why not just make that be the case mm-hmm. <laughs> for every category? I mean, more nominations means more celebrities there, which means more eyes. I think ultimately that's probably for the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you're now opening yourself up to even more conversation of, well, if you can nominate as many as you can, then this person surely should have been nominated. Where if you only have five, it's like, well, we had to cap ourselves off at something, mm-hmm. right? I guess that is why it's nice that we have lots of different um, award ceremonies in the world That's too. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not all contained in one where we have 10 directors nominated, but um, Greta Gerwig and, and uh, Margot Robbie are able to get flowers elsewhere, I'm sure. Um, yeah. I'm, not sh- I'm not aware of every ceremony, but I know they're nominated in other things, right? Yes. Um, uh, Gerwig, yeah, for best adapted screenplay with Noah Baumbach. Yeah, <laughs> which uh, is is great that they're getting recognition. Um, it, it's a very weird category because adapted from a toy. A- adapted, <laughs> yes. yeah, adapted yeah. from what? <laughs> and it originally was original screenplay, and they swapped that. Yeah, I uh, yeah. It, I mean, there have been another... other Barbie movies, <laughs> like straight to VHS <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> animated movies. So, and then isn't Margot Robbie listed as an executive producer? I for, think she's a producer. As a producer, so she is so she technically, technically nominated for Best Picture. So I'm sure she's still happy about it. I you hope. Know. I'm checking on that. Yeah, I'm. I'm pulling that up as well. But I mean, even still, I mean, I think that's been the the biggest one. Is there any other ones that people yeah. have noticed? Yeah, she's, she's a producer on it. So okay, she, so you've got nominated. that at least. Um, there's, but are, there's a, there's a big one for me, but I'm not going to talk about it cause we'll get to it in my list mm, where see, that's I will thing. give it its, yeah, its praise. It's due praise. Are there any non-spoiler related <laughs> Oscar nominations we want to talk about? Um, I guess I have one while you guys look, um, yeah. even though I didn't particularly love this, this film, um, I was really hoping for a, uh, a best production design for Asteroid City. Yes, I was oh, hoping for that I too. Was, um, yeah, I'm surprised there was nothing like that. Because <laughs> I just, I loved the way that the town was set up, all the ways that they kind of, I mean, I guess you could also throw in visual effects because I loved the alien, the, the, the alien stop motion alien. I know it's not the most uh, special effects, but still. I, I love that guy. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was great. Um, but that was kind of a, a bigger one. Yeah. That's I think a lot of people were expecting Asteroid City to show up a bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I also am a little bit surprised. Nothing, nothing for Saltburn. Also, I don't know if I'm surprised by that. Yeah. I um, still haven't seen it, so I can't comment. Well, maybe we'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, but um, speaking of Wes Anderson. Um, he is nominated for uh, live action short for right. H- Henry Sugar. So okay. we we might actually see Wes Anderson get his first Oscar this year. It's just not for yeah, Asteroid for City. He, I was going to say he had a lot in competition or mm-hmm. could have submitted, especially for short film with uh, with all, all of the work he did for Netflix. It's it's so interesting. Like, OK, get 
talented people Oscars. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to push back on that. But man, the the live action shorts, the animated shorts, the document documentary shorts, that's like the breeding ground for like new and upcoming directors and writers to like <laughs> This is our chance to like get our names out there, and then Wes Anderson's probably gonna win live action short. So it's like, yeah. so it's like, or he won't, or he and won't. somebody else will win and be like, "Wow, I beat Wes Anderson." There you go. Yeah. That's the yeah. thing. It could happen. Yeah. I I saw an interview. This is uh, television, but I remember uh, Hannah uh, Waddingham from oh, yeah from Ted Lasso. from Ted Lasso was nominated for best supporting actress, and she was going up against Meryl Streep in her category, <laughs> and she was like, either I beat Meryl Streep and I can say I beat Meryl Streep or I lose and I'm like well yeah Meryl Streep yeah, is in my category like what right. was I supposed to do yeah so it's kind of a win-win for her or neither of them win and then the voters are just wrong True. because they're like well they didn't give it to Meryl Streep so they must have some <laughs> weird weird thing yeah so. she can't get it wrong so yeah um, I guess yeah I think the other just one other one that I wish would have been uh, nominated looking at animated feature film I saw Elemental. It was fine, but mm. I really loved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. That it, was a that lot was of another fun. one that I had heard. I unfortunately that's one that I haven't seen yet, but uh, a lot of people have said that that's a really fun one. Yeah. yeah, and the five I think were pretty easy to predict, but I don't think a lot of people saw Robot Dreams coming. So that I'm kind looking of, at the mm. list right now, and yeah, two of them that and Nimona. I'm yeah yeah. Yeah, so I, I yeah. think Robot Dreams, if that wasn't there, I think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would be in that spot. Yeah, I think um, that that's the question that you always have with these when you're talking about snubs and stuff like that. It's like, okay, well, if this person snubbed, who do you kick out? And if it's a competitive category, then you just kind of have to sit back and be like, well, I mean, this must have just been a tough category this year. Yep. And, and it's a bummer because, you, like we said, it'd be great if – they could recognize as many people as they could. Um, I guess one other thing that I was going to, this isn't a snub, but just a fun Oscar thing that I thought is, um, so Anatomy of the Fall, of a Fall, um, not nominated for Best International Feature. Did mm -hmm. you guys hear about the controversy with wait, that? Wait, wait, wait. Yes. I thought, which one, what? Oh, so Zone, Zone of, of Interest, Interest got both International and Best Picture, right? Correct. That is the sole Best Picture foreign language. So mm. um, I was hoping for some competition in that category this year, but it looks like it's not going to be the case. It's because France did what they did a couple years ago with Portrait of a Lady on Fire. They Correct. submitted the wrong film. They submitted the <laughs> They wrong submitted film. the taste of things <laughs> rather than Anatomy of a Fall. So what I heard was that when they won um, at Cannes, uh -huh. um, uh, I think one of the people involved with the film kind of trashed the fi the French film industry or something like that. Uh, and it was a, like, retaliation move. Interesting. But then They're France didn't the get, yeah. didn't, like, th that film didn't get nominated either, so. The, to be fair, I heard The Taste of Things was, like, really good and that it was probably a, a frontrunner to get nominated. So they probably, you know, still made a wise choice, but. But didn't work out. You can't I mean, always guarantee it. When you and that's the thing is, I I almost wish that they didn't have to submit. I kind of wish that you could just. It was the best international films. Like it didn't have to be one mm -hmm. per country. Now I understand that at that point you run the risk of like two countries sure. getting all the nominations. Maybe make a rule where it's like only one can get nominated. 
but the entire field is eligible type of thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a compromise. Yeah. It just flies okay. in the face of the ethos of the Oscars and just yeah, you know, know. Not, not handling things correctly in the first <laughs> yeah, place. Yeah, I mean, that's just typical Oscar stuff. But <laughs> I mean, and also you look into something like Zone of Interest. Yes, it's in a foreign language, but it's submitted by the United Kingdom. Like, does the United Kingdom really desert? Like, yes, it's an international feature, but I think it's probably more getting the nod because it is in a foreign language instead. Mm. But then why did we change the title of the award? from best foreign language feature to best international feature. Mm -hmm. It's not like King's speech would have gotten nominated for best international feature if that mm -hmm. was the way that it was set up before. So it's a very strange situation. Um, I was wondering if we could just look at the best picture nominees. Okay. And just, I'm curious about people's thoughts on just the lineup we have this year. Without giving uh, spoilers. Like, yeah. Yeah, do like what do you think of this compared to previous year's Best mm. Picture nominees? Is it a good lineup? So without spoiling anything, I have seen eight of the ten, and I would say that I enjoyed all eight of them oh, yeah. okay. that I saw. That's yeah. awesome. I've seen I've seen six of the ten. One uh, is one I just could not see in time, and it's mm. my biggest regret of probably my list right now. Um, yeah. I mean, we got we got some pretty decent representation overall. There's yeah. definitely one that I like. I could that I enjoyed the least. Like I mm. that would be like, oh, if that wouldn't have gotten nominated, I wouldn't have been as bummed out by it. Sure, but uh, in general, I was like, oh, like these were all good films, and you'll see multiple of them in my top ten list. So, nice. what about you, Bo? I am very excited about this lineup. Yeah. There are usually. Uh, there's usually like one or two films in the best picture lineup that is like a five out of 10 or less mm -hmm. for me. This is the first year in a long time. Granted, I haven't seen them all, but I've seen most of them. And I at least think, you know, they're all good. And many of them I think are great or excellent. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited. How many have you seen of the 10? I've seen nine oh, wow. out of the 10. Okay. Nice. Interesting. Nice average. So, Eric, as the person who doesn't tend to watch as much outside stuff, how many of the 10 nominees have you seen? Uh, I think five out of 10. Okay. So, that, that's pretty solid. This is like kind of like I mentioned before we start recording that this is a, a hell freezing over top 10 lists for me because <laughs> there are actually multiple best picture nominees that ended up in my list. Okay. Wow. Interesting. And I, I usually mean, I just don't care for a lot of best picture nominees so yeah i mean there's certain like to what bo was saying there are definitely years where it seems like i don't know if it's representative of the year as a whole or not but just they kind of miss the mark um i mean the year that i can think of i can't remember what year exactly it was but it was the year that green book won best picture 2017 hmm. i believe um because it was like that and like Bohemian Rhapsody was that year. Yeah, Vice was been, that oh, year. Was 2018. 2018. I remember Vice was that year, which I didn't love. Yeah, um, that was a kind of a weak year just when you average everything. Yeah. And so it ended up being one of those things where, I mean, you can appreciate certain movies for certain elements to it. But in general, it's like, well, could have kind of taken or leave some of the other ones. Um, any other Oscar related conversations? 
Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. I have like yeah. tiny thoughts here and there about things, but nothing like conversation worthy. That's fair. Yeah. And the like I said, like we will get into more of this stuff too when we start to reveal our list. Um, but one question I wanted to ask everybody is just, I mean, I guess you were talking about the the Best Picture nominees, but what did you guys think of 2023 in general? Um, did you think it was a pretty good year? Are there any mm-hmm. themes that you saw this year um, that kind of resonated? Maybe a direction that certain... Um, that kind of film in general is going or anything like that? Well, I noticed that um, a lot of the noteworthy films this year are adaptations of books. Um, And they're very good adaptations. So Poor Things was a literary adaptation. Oppenheimer was based on American Prometheus. Uh, American Fiction was based on um, a novel called Erasure. And there are probably some others I'm just not thinking of off the top of my head. And then there's the the toy-to-movie adaptations (laughs) that came out. So That great book, Barbie. Yes. (laughs) It's a book you play with. Yeah, there you go. Jerry? I was going to say, yeah, don't forget the literary classic series that is uh, The Hunger Games. Oh, that's true. That is – which Although you I just didn't really care for the uh, latest yeah, movie. Why a will never. I, I, die, I though, care. I, like. I care highly for my wife. I care very <laughs> good to less know. So for <laughs> Hunger Games, and so when one thing is pitted against the other as a choice, I you know I default <laughs> to my wife. But you know I think the, the the two big news stories that a lot of people talked about and have cited. You have Barbenheimer. That mm-hmm. was a big one. That's just you know a confluence of events and big movies weirdly sort of pitted against each other, like Nolan's former studio that he kind of like denounced years ago. And, um, you know, just kind of like thinking it was counter marketing, but everybody just kind of embraced and saw in a lot of ways together. Um, as most people did maybe in a double feature sort of way, but yeah, that was that was a big one. I think that was good for just m- going to the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it felt like people were excited to see both of them. It wasn't you're an Oppenheimer person right. or you're a Barbie person. And it was also fun to see the people involved with the movies too also back that as well. Like mm-hmm. see, hearing from Killian Murphy and, mm-hmm. and Christopher Nolan be like, yeah, well, we're definitely going to go see Barbie and stuff like that. And and Greta and Margot and all them also doing the same thing. And just kind of just this love for film and, yeah. and going to the movies. I mean, I will forever be a go-to-the-movies guy. So – I mean, this, it was a step in the right direction, yeah. I would say. Absolutely. I remember seeing Barbie with like everybody dressed up in pink. It kind of <laughs> felt like a celebration. It felt mm-hmm. like an, an early Halloween, you know, where everybody's just coming together and having fun. Yeah, it was an event that people yeah. wanted to be a part of. Yeah, I think that's great. Like your other story? Uh, the strikes, you know. Y- yeah. The unfortunate yeah. situation there. And I think probably there's a empty slot on a lot of people's list that they had saved for like Dune part two mm-hmm. that, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, I've, I've got my IMAX tickets for next month. So still nice. equally excited, but we'll kind of see the ramifications of that play out this year with just, you know, maybe not as many movies. There's going to probably going to be some pretty bare spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm hoping that this doesn't mean, yeah, that we have a, a dip in quality. And I mean, I guess, if I can kind of segue into one of the things that I brought up, what I 
kind of made a list of is just the amount of like established big directors putting movies out this mm, year. Totally. So I'm going to do a really quick <laughs> fire of all of the different notable names that had movies this year. And this is also your top 10 list. This is also my top. <laughs> this is my top like 25 list. No. <laughs> um, Wes Anderson, Ridley Scott, Michael Mann, Alexander Payne, Martin Scorsese, Yorgos Lanthimos, Taika Waititi, Greta Gerwig, David Fincher, Christopher Nolan, Bradley Cooper, M. Night Shyamalan, Steven Soderbergh, Guy Ritchie, Ben Affleck, Ari Aster, David Lowry, Robert Rodriguez, James Mangold, Neil Blomkamp, uh, Antoine Fuqua, uh, Kenneth Branagh, Gareth Edwards, William Friedkin, Sofia Coppola, Eli Roth, John Woo, Ava DuVernay, Zack Snyder, Jonathan Glazer, James Wan, George Clooney, and Hayao Miyazaki. Hmm. I was gonna, I was gonna mention Miyazaki if you didn't put it in there. Yeah, well, I, I, I saved the best for last. Uh, yeah, and, and with only two movies under his belt, you got Bradley Cooper in that list. Well, I mean, just a bigger name. Sure. Um, but just uh, the um, the sheer amount of people who are recognizable names, mm. and that's not even including a lot of like superhero related ones. Like I didn't oh, yeah. include like James Gunn right. oh, totally. out a new movie and stuff like that. Um, but like you look at that, it's like, oh, it's a great year, but it's also like, well, who's left over at this point? I know. That's the thing. It's like, okay, Tarantino didn't put out a movie. Uh, Denis <laughs> uh, didn't uh, put Denis, out a, uh, yeah. didn't put out one. Um, so you've got some, Spielberg. the Coen brothers. Yeah. Do you think the, the directors that were quote unquote, like left out this past year, do they feel like there's an advantage there. Like, Hey, all these directors can now take a step back because they can't all put out another movie. I can now have maybe more success and attention. Potentially. I mean, I, I made a list of the ones that I'm looking forward to this year and all of them are maybe not at the same level, but are names that people would recognize. We're getting um, a Cohen brother movie this year. That's one of them mm -hmm. <laughs> that I have on my list is Ethan, is right? Ethan. Yep. 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 So, I mean, just that in general is just, cool to see it just seems like every weekend you're gonna have something from somebody that you recognize um but yeah uh, i guess the other thing i was gonna bring up is just how good some of the comedies are this year i feel like we had kind of a death to comedy in movies like you didn't really see as many straight comedy movies this year and it kind of went all over the place like we have your more prestige movies like like Barbie and Poor Things and Holdovers and stuff like and, that. And uh, American Fiction is yeah. funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, there's there's really good dramedies out yeah. there. Yeah. And, and then you've also got movies like Theater Camp and Bottoms and, and, <laughs> and Joyride and No Hard Feelings and like that were well-received straight comedy movies. Mm -hmm. It's like I feel like that's kind of – an area that we've been missing. Do yeah. please don't destroy. Movie. I know. Yeah. That's, that's like if, if we had like a guilty pleasure slot, that would be fine. <laughs> Honestly, that should probably be something that we bring up in our future. Guilty pleasure. Guilty. What is our, maybe that should yeah. be an episode. Yeah. Um, because what, yeah. let's, let's bring our three guilty pleasure movies of all time. Um, in uh, vying for that position for me this year as well is, Flipping Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, where I'm like, this this movie shouldn't work as well as it does for me. What am I doing here? I mean, some some people just scratch that itch for you, though. Yep. So, yeah. But, uh, Bo, did you have anything? Um, I had just one little trend I noticed. Um, and a lot of you probably saw a mixture of these movies, if not all of them. But just this this small little trend of, like, 
corporate slash capitalist mm-hmm. biopic dramas. I don't know if we need to talk any more about that before the top ten. Uh, <laughs> I might have a lot to say I, about yeah. that. So <laughs> spoiler, I, I avoid that. That subgenre of that's fair, thing, and yeah. I've only seen one of these, but I wrote down four movies that match this description. Do you want me to say sure, them? Sure, go should, for it. I so mean, all right. I we just it, won't comment. We won't on comment. Don't comment on them. I mean, for all I know, they're not on your lists. Blackberry, Air, Tetris, and Dumb Money. There might be other examples, but basically, these biopics that talk about a corporation or a brand and and the the. Um, Genesis of maybe a product or mm-hmm. a person within totally those companies. Yeah, steam right off the top. Of Sorry my list. about that. Sorry. <laughs> I think that's a great. I just transition, thought it was like then. kind of kind of interesting that that all happened this year. I guess I notice a an adjacent trend, um, especially in horror movies, but a satire of corporate faux wokeism um, and mm-hmm. uh, and and or corporate greed, especially if those two overlap, like the corporation is virtue signaling, but they're doing some really shady or harmful stuff over here. Mm. So it's a soylent green situation, (laughs) (laughs) but, but with more laughs in some cases. (laughs) So that That all time hilarious movie, soylent green. Yes. yes. Um, (laughs) But I think since you kind of, we're tipping your hand a little bit. Why don't we just have Jared start us off um, with our number ten, yeah. and then we'll just we'll just go Jared, and then Erica, and then Bo, and then I'll go. How's that sound? I say based on my list, the most interesting part might have been uh, my first few selections, starting with number ten, which yeah tie into this because that is a subgenre, the docudrama. Uh, that somehow somehow usually works for me, and it was a strong year. So Blackberry was my number 10, directed by Matt Johnson, with a cast that included him playing an integral supporting role, along with Jay Baruchel and Glenn Howerton, as most people know from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And this, yeah, just this is such a fascinating time capsule of the rise and ignominious fall of Blackberry. Like, I remember the time when like, Blackberries were everywhere, and then suddenly they weren't. And by that time, everybody had moved on to iPhones. That's certainly what I had. And I never really knew what the demise was, nor kind of like the cult behind Blackberry as far as, you know, the users were concerned. And and this movie really captures it well. It's like, it's, 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 it's hilarious uh, in both like the hubris of the characters, uh, the ignorance of the characters too across the board with those top three leads. And, you know, who comes out at the end kind of like both scarred, but still pure is like one of the characters you would suspect the least, like, especially the way this, the movie is structured. Uh, you see one character perform in a certain way that as like the, the corporation rises and kind of becomes more like of, of a pressure cooker, you would expect the ax to fall, but like, you know, in the end, they might have been the smartest person um, or most grounded compared to how it all played out for a few others with BlackBerry. And yeah, it just it was captivating. And yeah, Glenn Howerton, just uh, what a what a performance like channeling, you know, the Dennis Rage mm-hmm. in a whole other way with with a nice bald cap to, to boot because, you know, he's got that not a bald Ken- cap or sorry, sorry. Great makeup, like shaving the head, getting rid of his Kennedy hair. Let's yes. <laughs> um, as a fan of the It's Always Sunny podcast, um, it was there was a weird set of episodes post filming where because they would had a video of it where he would still have <laughs> the shaved head. That's, awesome. That's funny. Um, but yeah, I I'm just gonna say I'm not gonna comment. Okay. On All this, right. I wonder why. 
Um, <laughs> did anyone else see Blackberry? No. I did not. But also, I might not want to spoil if I haven't seen something. That's uh, fair. That's true. That's, you know so what? I'm, I'll, I'll comment if I want to comment. How about, I'll there we that. go. We will be cryptic about whether or not <laughs> it's on the list or if we haven't seen it. I chose, I chose Blackberry on a flight. I chose it over past lives. Because both were available, and I was just more in the mood for BlackBerry, but I still haven't seen Past Lives, and I feel that's a big blind spot for me this year. Okay. Um, that's number 10 for Jared. Yeah. Uh, Erica, what about your number 10? Uh, my number 10 showed up on some critics' worst 10 horror films of 2023. Um, it's Skin directed okay. by oh. uh, Kyle Edward Bell. Respect. And yeah, so I, I totally get why um, this is a polarizing movie for a lot of horror fans. It's um, the storytelling method is just so unconventional. And I have some of my own frustrations with those methods, too, because, you know, the action is almost always off screen. And there's a lot of time spent focusing up on the corner of a ceiling or the back of the character's heads or on their feet or things like that. So it's like you're always trying to look at the screen and figure out what's going on. But once you kind of get past that frustration, it is a genuinely creepy uh, movie that really does capture the feel of childhood nightmares. Um, And it's also thought provoking because you can interpret it in, in this like overt supernatural way, or there are some completely mundane explanations for the things that happen. So that's kind of a fun thing to look at so if you do want to check it out um it's on hulu you i do recommend turning on closed captions not just because some of the dialogue is deliberately poor quality and hard to understand but seeing the names of the different musical cues playing in the background it actually explains some of the things happening Hmm. in the story yeah that um i that was a movie that i'd sit with for a little bit um, one of those things where like, I think on a first view, you might be like, so what happened in this movie? <laughs> um, but I think it's kind of one of the first true analog horror films that we mm-hmm. see. Um, to me, movies haven't really scared me for a very long time. Um, but there are things that I've seen on the internet that are short films or anything like that, that, that have really stuck with me. I mean, there's like disturbing YouTube compilations of like, just like weird surreal style filmmaking that has no narrative essentially to it. And this, I think this movie really captured that Mm -hmm. um, in a way that you really haven't seen in, in a long time. I mean, this is kind of like the little movie that could also. Yeah. I think the budget was like $15,000 or something like that, like very small budget. And kind of a, just a word of mouth type of situation where I think it blew up a little bit on like TikTok or something like that. People talking about it. And then that kind of where they were able to use some of that momentum. I think shutter might've picked it up for a period Uh, of time. Yeah. had it for a while. It's, it's on Hulu Mm. currently. And um, then, yeah. I was lucky to see it in the theater at Alamo Draft House. And then, yeah, there were like special screenings of it as well. And um, it's it's an experience. I under, I've seen lists where people hated it and others where they said it was the best horror film of the year. So I've seen a lot of recommendations from people who loved it who said, if you do see this movie – um, see it with as little distractions and with yes. as little surrounding light as possible. I, I was like, just about to say, watch it alone at night in a dark room. Well, yeah. when we watched it, so Lexi and I watched it together, and Lexi, I don't think, vibed with it quite as well, but we watched it at night with no lights on, 
and our vacuum cleaner was at the end of the hallway. Oh, no. And it turned on and it started and, coming toward Well, you. but like, okay, lights <laughs> off. You look down a hallway <laughs> yeah. and you see just a <laughs> like <outline>. child height <laughs> things in the back of your hallway. And like that's the type of feeling that you want leaving a, a horror movie mm-hmm. yeah. is that like your surroundings have now turned on you essentially. And that like you're going to be looking at the walls. You're going to be looking at the corners, everything like that. And I think that's what the true like um, staying power with Skinamarink is. Uh, is so, and then you look down the other hallway, and you have one of those creepy toy telephone things yeah. with the eyes. Oh yeah, oh, that, that scene in the movie was like, ew, stop, yeah. Yeah, stop it with that phone thing. <laughs> but yeah, uh, would recommend definitely not for everybody though. But yeah, yeah, Bo. My number ten is David Fincher's The Killer. Okay, uh, this is one I saw actually pretty recently. I didn't see it when it first came out um, toward the end of 2023. So this is. Fresher in my mind, but I really like this because David Fincher is showing that he can still go back to basics and make just a really taut, focused thriller. And um, this is a movie that's actually kind of chapterized. I think Mm -hmm. there are five or six chapters to it. Mm -hmm. Very episodic. Very episodic. It kind of feels like you're watching a miniseries. And yet all of the episodes sort of coalesce and and fit together really well. And this is the one movie on my list where I actually watched the first two chapters and then put it down because I had other stuff to do and I came back to it later and it still like flowed really well. I still had the story in my mind and it just worked um, really well. But um, all the sequences are great. It's hard to pick like my least favorite sequence in the movie. Um, I love the opening. I love... I love them all, um, but there is a fight scene in this movie that's very convincing, and um, I watched it twice, and it was still just as convincing. It's just really well done, and um, it, it was kind of surprising because I didn't expect to enjoy it as much. I would say listen to our episode about yeah. yes. The Killer. Was that last month's episode? Uh, well, we it did take a little recent. bit of time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that that was our previous episode. Mm-hmm. Um, did anyone have any like brief ones or just go listen to the episode, I guess? I mean, I might have to talk about this later. Okay. So. <laughs> I will just say shout out to uh, – um, uh, I mean, I think, I think Fassbender was great yeah. in this. Um, Swinton. But Tilda, Tilda yeah, is yeah. the is the I think the one that really um, jumps off the screen. As soon as I saw she was in the movie, I thought, oh, all her dialogue is just going to be like whip smart, and she's going to have like know? a lot of philosophical like great <laughs> lo- one liners to tell him. And she did. Yeah. I loved that. And then um, there's a great little kind of surprise, but not surprise at the end of her sequence too. Yeah, uh, great movie. We may talk about it more later this episode. <laughs> cool. Not me. Spoiler. Of okay, course, spoiler. if you listen to our episode about it, I was the wet blanket on it. so Which is fine. It's no it's shock fine. that yeah. Yeah, it's not in my list. Um, no. I'm just looking forward to when we sync up because that's always fun. That is yeah. fun. Which, I, I'm uh, sure it will happen. It sounds like we've got some repeats coming down the pipe. Well, unfortunately, that won't happen this round because my number 10 is Saltburn. Oh, my God. Um, So this is a movie that um, has stuck with me uh, for many a reason. Um, Obviously, it's not a secret that there are scenes in this movie that have uh, become very popular on the Internet, we'll just say. (laughs) 
um, for one reason or another. But I think the the main thing with this is I thought that it was very engrossing. It was kind of my triangle of sadness this year. Interesting. Where I left the movie where I was like, oh, like that was good. But like there were things about it that I didn't that I wish were better. And then the more I kind of reviewed it and were like, oh, I liked this. I like this. I like this. Um, and I don't get distracted by um, like absurdity, I guess, or depravity, I guess, which is a thing. But I think that um, the, the the production design of this movie, um, the risks that it takes, the performances by Barry Keoghan, definitely, but then also Rosamund Pike, I thought is yeah. great in this. That was one of the uh, Oscar snubs that I was going to oh, bring up yeah. Yeah. Um, for supporting. Yeah. I think she was one that deserved a lot of recognition. Um, I guess the biggest problem that I had with this movie is that it kind of sets up like it's a twist at the end, but if you're kind of following the flow of the movie, you're like, well, yeah, this is obviously yeah. what was happening. That was definitely my theory halfway through the movie. movie yeah, and yeah. I don't think they're too subtle about it either. Mm-hmm. So I think the the biggest thing with this movie is that it just it stuck with me and more than just the controversial scenes too. Like um just everything about it. Um and that's kind of why it ended up being uh number ten for me. Also, this is also a Margot Robbie produced movie um just shout out so um this movie is massively popular too yes many 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 people have seen this i mean be controversial or have those things i mean this is one that has really blown up also on tiktok the murder on the dance floor song i assume is going to be another like uh running up that hill style thing where (laughs) older song becomes popular because it's featured in media that gets adapted or gets adopted by tiktok um now, the trend that you could potentially do with this song is probably something you shouldn't do, um, <laughs> given the context of the scene where it is played. Um, That'll get you banned on TikTok. You know what? Of all of the controversial, controversial in quotes, scenes in Saltburn, this one is one of the more tame ones, Actually, I guess. Actually, you're right. Yeah. I mean, it's probably the fourth most <laughs> <laughs> let's just say there's lots of bodily fluids in the movie yeah, yeah. there's a there's, i mean there's i, say, I mean we, without getting you can you can say what things are there's the there's the bathtub scene sure there's yep. the grave scene there's the they've they've dubbed it the vampire scene i was just gonna say the vampire scene and then yes. so those i would put in front those, of so those are my the three, murder so on wait. the dance floor okay. scene yeah huh. I have to see this. Spoiler, I've not seen it. It's going on my watch list. Like you would I appreciate it. I think you would appreciate it. Part of its success, or maybe popularity with the facts people have seen it so much, it's both kind of like the uh, double-edged sword where it did get a theatrical release and you know a bit of hype with Rosamund Pike's performance as well as coming off of Emerald Fennell, her second, her sophomore mm-hmm. feature <laughs> um, from Promising Young Woman, but I was surprised, and maybe most other people were too, that I couldn't get out to the theater to see it, and then suddenly it dropped on Amazon Prime. That's and where I it saw was it. Very, you know, accessible that way immediately. Yeah, and I mean, Barry Keoghan doing what he does best. What's his be most a creep? normal r- role? Was I that mean, last probably year's Ban- Banshees? Banshees? I mean, and even even in that one, he. Wasn't really. He's an odd duck. Relatable. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, probably uh, Dunkirk. 
Yes, that's true. But like, okay, you've got this. You've got his killing brief, of a sacred deer. I was gonna say killing of a sacred deer. You've got <laughs> yeah. his brief part in the Batman, uh, the Green Knight. The, he is a despicable person. He is. I Did mean, you say that one already? Yes. Sorry. No. Oh, okay. I, but th- that was a top ten from my previous from last year. So, yeah, I mean, that dude knows how to be creepy, and I think he does it very well. Well, with with a charm. It's yeah. kind of creepiness with a charm, and I am looking forward to everything that he does going forward. Yeah, so. it's almost like this guy is a creep, but how harmful could he really be? And then he actually is harmful. I mean, <laughs> killing of a sacred deer is <laughs> – yeah, which, I mean, we may talk about – Yorgos Lanthimos. Yorgos Lanthimos later in this episode Maybe. as well. We'll see. We'll see. I Maybe. mean, it could happen. Um, but yeah, so that's my number 10, Saltburn. Um so number nine, Jared. Uh, yeah, you know, again, just uh, keeping in the the same vein as my number ten and what Bo alluded to was dumb money. I just saw this last night, so maybe it's coming oh. in a little hot for me. Uh, again, I it, it was a toss up between what movie can I watch right now to try and squeeze one more in because the other one was Anatomy of a Fall, and this just had a shorter runtime. Fair. So now here's the thing with Dumb Money, the director Craig uh, Gillespie or Gillespie. Don't know how to say his name, so I really do apologize for butchering it. But if you're listening to this this episode, we apologize. We know Craig does listen. He so does we're listen. Sorry, I assume Craig that Gillespie slash he's an Gillespie. awesome guy. I assume I assume everyone in Hollywood is waiting for this episode to drop so that they can see what our lists are. Right. These are the true Oscar nominations. Right. Yeah. So, this, these are the predictors for the Oscar winners. So, anyways, director Greg Gillespie. <laughs> uh, this, this this is a director that man he just he works for me. Like his style is my wheelhouse. His two previous efforts were both properties that initially I just like wrote off. When I, Tanya got announced, I, I just kind of rolled my eyes and thought, what are we doing here, folks? Just, you know, tabloid fodder, like sensationalism movie making. But that movie floored me. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. Margot Robbie was outstanding. Plus just the way like he structured it, had a kind of a faux documentary style, along with Allison Janney and Sebastian Stan. It, the way he moved a camera like like Scorsese and like married images and montages to such a good pop soundtrack, I just yeah I I couldn't believe how well that worked. Then it was announced he was going to be the director of the Cruella film, uh, and I was like God, what a waste of a talent to get pulled into a possible soulless mm-hmm. you know live action kind of mm-hmm. quasi remake. I watched it. Uh, super charmed by it. Enjoyed it way more than I thought. It's also, you know, thanks to uh, Emma Stone's performance. But again, just the way the way he he tells a story. He's got a great pop sensibility that kind of like really I think engages the audience. And Dumb Money was the same way too. It's weird that this is like a, a story that's just barely like two years old. They were um, very quick with this one. Yeah, very yeah, quick, which very is impressive. good. Yeah. I mean, you wait another two years to tell this. No one People wants will to be like, it. who cares exactly. about this? They caught it at the right time. <laughs> but and, it, and it's kind of this weird David and company versus Goliath story, which by the end of it, you know, especially Paul Dano's character, um, which I think him and Barry Keoghan could have like, or, you know, running for like who's played the weirdest <laughs> and most eccentric characters. Fair. Or committed to well, film. Well, there you go. I mean, you've got the Batman right there. Yeah. Uh, yep. There's their connection. 
But anyways, you know, him as Roaring Kitty, uh, kind of Keith, the mastermind behind the short squeeze for rallying behind GameStop and driving its stock up against hmm. the big hedge fund uh, guys as portrayed uh, pretty well by Seth Rogen, Nick Offerman, and I think Vincent D'Onofrio. But uh, yeah, by the end, you're, you're, you're pretty proud of these guys. You're happy. Some of them, you know, <laughs> kind of came out ahead really ahead in some cases, but you're also not surprised when, uh, yeah, probably uh, the richest guy in the room and world just, you know, does, nothing happens to him. When it's super clear and evident, the wrongdoing that took place. You know, it is what it is, corporate America, sure, whatever, but this movie uh, still worked and, you know, smartly uses so much, like, social media and actual media from the time. Felt like half the movie was made up of that, but it just, again, added to the energy, mm-hmm. uh, the movement that was happening in a lot of ways, and just, it pulled me in, and I, yeah, was totally entertained. I don't fully understand, you know, shorting a stock, ultimately, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. I don't know if Adam McKay could help me either, but... <laughs> or uh, Marco Robbie in a bathtub. I'm, I'm yeah. Or like Anthony Bourdain, yeah. or... <laughs> And hey, you know what? Uh, again, we had we had another solid America Ferrera performance here go. in 2023. So, yeah, dumb money for me. This is one that I missed. It was one that I was. It just dropped on forward. Netflix. Okay, then I'll have That's to watch it. That's why I watched it. I cool. turned on Netflix two nights ago. It was like right there at the top of my screen, and I was like, yes. You know what? No shade to you about finishing a movie and then having it be on your top ten because that happened to me last year. I finished yep. Tragedy of Macbeth, like. 15 minutes before I walked out the door to film the episode. That's insane. Wow. Uh, Yeah, you keep that that top 10 list just buffering all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and see, that's just it. It's like this, you know, this could be a work in progress if I get time to catch up with all the others. Yeah, and ultimately, this is our top 10 right now. Yeah, exactly. It'll change next week. I still have so many movies I want to see. We'll talk about that later, though. We'll talk about that more. Did anyone else see this? I did not. I did not. No, but I was aware it's on Netflix. And All it's right. Just one of those well, I didn't get to see. There you go. So, Erica, let's go with number nine for you. Uh, I went with the Barbie movie. Okay. Nice. Um, this, nice. This was my, movie was my personal biggest surprise of the year as, as part of my film going experience because I really had no interest in seeing it initially and expected it to just be like some kind of dumb cash grab. Uh, but, I mean, it, it was such a pleasant surprise. Like, it's such an intelligent, funny movie that actually has things to say. Great social satire, great uh, commentary about gender roles, and uh, just loads and loads of hilarious pop culture references. Like, it never gets boring. Um, I, I ended up seeing it twice in the theater, I, I believe, and then watched it again a couple nights ago, but on my iPad with an HBO Max streaming subscription, I have to say, <laughs> not the same experience as seeing it on the big screen. Um, don't recommend the iPad method. But, uh, yeah, this is this was just such a, a very fun, you know, pleasant movie. I did see it the same weekend along with Oppenheimer, so uh, definitely would recommend this. We'll talk about it more later on. I'm sure it will come up again. No comment. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I wasn't on that episode, so you guys, I may have not seen it. So That's very true. We don't know. For all we know. We don't know. You didn't even know it exists. uh, You didn't make our Barbenheimer. Yeah, I had a baby. That's right. uh, Like 
I guess that's two a solid, days after the that's movie a solid came out. I suppose. You know what? We'll allow it this It's once, like one of those so. things where it's like I've been looking forward to this all the time. It's like, <laughs> yeah. of course, it's going to get released like the Saturday or the I Friday know. before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's interesting, Jake. Uh, Lexi made her way to the recording. So where were you? Yeah, I don't know. I was <laughs> <laughs> I was watching the baby. <laughs> I, mean, I, say, I, I can easily shame myself, you know, when my firstborn was uh, born in late 2015. I, w- I, w- I, was, I looked at my wife and I was like, you know, in two nights, I still got my tickets to The Force Awakens. So, oh, that's right. It's like, I'll be back. <laughs> um, you got this Don't covered. go anywhere. Baby's first movie. Star Wars. <laughs> it's okay, board. folks. It's all right. It's not going to ruin it. <laughs> all right? First movie for my baby, double feature Barbenheimer. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Baby's not going to be louder than the movie, okay? No, it's fine. Um, but yeah, I think we'll probably talk about this later. Mm. Okay, so we'll just keep moving then. Uh, Bo, number nine for you. My number nine spot is very similar to Jared's number nine spot in that I watched this movie last night. Nice. There we go. And it Love made my it. list. Uh, my number nine is The Holdovers. Great. Um, okay. This Wonderful. is one of the Best Picture nominees. It's nominated for a lot of things. Um, this is Alexander Payne's newest film, and it's been a while since his last feature-length film, which was Downsizing. I and I thought Downsizing was kind of a disaster. And I I was not really looking forward to The Holdovers because I thought, has this is this guy able to make another movie like on the same level as like Sideways or Election? Mm-hmm. And um, Rehire your main actor from one of those. You do. That's <laughs> one of the ingredients. But the another ingredient is just an amazing script where – I expected things to maybe meander and I expected maybe this is a film that's going to talk down to the audience, maybe be condescending to the audience. Um, But the three sort of main characters we follow in this movie, uh, played by Paul Giamatti and Dominic Sessa in a uh, breakout role and uh, Divine Joy Randolph, they're the heart of the movie and all of what we learn about them is arrived at so carefully and thoughtfully um, that the movie just totally worked in every scene. Um, I thought it was just the right pacing. Um, it's it's one thing to have a script that works really well uh, with great words, but when you have Paul Giamatti uh, delivering some of these lines, he really sells how this instructor is just like totally obsessed with like history, and it's all he can reference to other human beings. Um, his Roman Empire is the Roman Empire. You know, it's all he talks about. Um, so I, I just had a great time with this. And some of the people in it reminded me of people I went to school with or that I work with or people who are in my family. So that was a joy, too. So nice. um, a lot of people think that it's a really cozy movie for like Christmas time, too. Yeah. It's definitely set during Christmas break. And I agree with that. Um, I could see how some people might want to watch this every year uh, mm-hmm. in December and like make it a tradition. I can yeah. see how some people might also talk about this later on in the list. I mean, it Ooh. could happen. Who knows? My only knock for this movie is that it doesn't take place in Nebraska. Um, <laughs> Alexander Payne. The descendants, so I know, <laughs> I know, but <laughs> it is fun being like, "Hey, that's our guy." Yes, yeah. I know. Payne. He's from that's Omaha. Our guy. He's he from still Omaha. is our guy. He's still he our guy. He's still yes. our guy, and. Um, I think I, I I was doing a dive on him the other day, and that his parents owned a restaurant in Benson or like in Benson, I think, or something like that. Really? Uh, or Dundee, or one of the more trendy neighborhoods of like. I wonder if that restaurant still exists, but 
that's neither. We'll we'll, t- we'll maybe talk about holdovers later in this I feel episode. Like, I feel like we now need like a designated slot for like the movie on your list that you've seen most recently, and whoever's whoever's seen it the most recent yeah. should have like the hottest take or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's like your um your I guess I don't know what we would call it, but like your snap judgment movie or right. something like that. Um, yeah, this is mine. So, I guess I'll stake a little bit with a theme of this, not with the two of you, but with Erica, and mine is Oppenheimer. Whoa! Um, So... I first person to talk about Oppenheimer. Uh, probably the last as well. Yeah, for I sure. mean, probably. I don't think anyone else will probably talk about this movie. <laughs> little scene, but uh, yeah, the very uh, this this little indie movie that could uh, doesn't have any movie stars in it or anything Brief like that. Theatrical release, um, handful of theaters. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, what can I say about Oppenheimer that hasn't been said already? Mm-hmm. I mean, just the sheer scale of this movie. Um, the the cast, the just the performances in general, the the storytelling. I think um, this is probably going to go down as one of Nolan's best films, um, just because of how much is able to get accomplished in this movie too. Um, my biggest issue, I guess, with this is I. This is going to be controversial. I wish that it was longer. That's insane. Wow. Um, I thought that for a three-hour movie, things go so fast. That's mm, fair. That is fair. That I would have liked an extra half hour to maybe slow the pace down a little bit and get to live with some of the smaller characters that we don't get to spend as much time with. Yeah, this could be like a mini-series. Honestly, that's what I would have preferred. Is like it was. Like is it, there was a show called Manhattan? Wasn't well, it? but I want the Nolan version. The Nolan of it. version. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, like you like, could yes. pluck all the characters from this Nolan version, and we could have an episode Extended on on two or three of them at a time. Well, yeah. I think if you do a Chernobyl style miniseries where it's like five episodes or something like that, yes, and you really get to like like dive in, especially since Oppenheimer is both a story about the creation of the bomb, but also kind of his life story as Mm -hmm. well. Um, Getting to see both sides of this um, would have been really nice to kind of take a deep breath and get to experience it. Um, But I mean, like I said, performances, production design, um, the way that is the the screenplay, the tension from all of these characters. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, uh, Robert Downey Jr., incredible in this movie. I'd also like to shout out Benny Safdie, Um, loved him in this movie. Um, he has kind of a odd accent that I don't think a hundred percent matches the character. Um, but I think, I think he's a really underrated actor. Well, I think, I think especially, um, his like deposition scenes, um, towards the end. I, I, the, um, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, the, Cross examinator or the yeah, or Jason, Clark? Uh, Jason yes. Clark. Yeah. Um, just the scenes between the two of them. In that small room with yeah. like ten guys in it. Um, and yeah, this production design of a Christopher Nolan movie right there. Well, <laughs> and just like having a movie that's so big but yet so intimate at the same time. Like, and you see, I mean, the way that it's shot, also with how many super close-ups you see of like Oppenheimer's face and everything like that. Um, but yeah, I just thought this movie was great. Um, would have liked it to be slowed down. That's probably why it fell a little bit lower on my list. Um, but ultimately that's, that's my number nine Oppenheimer. Nice. 
maybe we'll just leave it at that then. <laughs> yeah, um, you know what? This is this is great. It keeps things moving, right? Yep. So number eight, Jared. All right. I mean, it's fil- finishing out my trilogy here. Uh, the theme that I started that uh, Bo sucked all the life out of before. <laughs> you know what? It was a great segue, was a segue into was, there we it go. It was an alley oop, Jared. Uh, is oh, is that an apt? Is it? <laughs> no, it's Tetris. It'd be really funny if it was Tetris. <laughs> it would be, yeah. Oh, he gosh. was just connecting the blocks. <laughs> Cleared Damn, that now we're covered. Cleared that now we're right covered. Right. No matter what he says, it works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, sorry to uh, take the air out of that joke. Yeah. But... <laughs> Just, these jokes are just slam dunks. Michael Jordan. Ah! <laughs> You've it, got the, you got the two dads in the room here. Look, I'm just like, I'll just do it. All right. So um, it is air. I feel like a corporate shill for putting this one above, especially the other two in a way, and maybe more so dumb money. But the fact of the matter is, and I spoke on this you know, earlier this year when I covered it in a previous podcast, there's a lot of like kind of member berries going on in this. There's a lot of play on the nostalgia, but it works. Like Ben Affleck, as a filmmaker, he knows what he's doing. Super smart guy. And like he knows like the tone he needs to strike. He knows how to like pull an audience in. And really, I mean, for me, Live by night being his like weakest effort for me. Everything else has been like, uh, like a, a solid single, if not like a home run, as far as like the directing. And so, I I covered it as well. How like much of a huge, like Chicago Bulls specifically Michael Jordan fan I was in the '90s as a kid growing up, as so many people were. It's not unusual uh, that this movie was. Yeah, I was programmed to like it, and I loved it, and it stayed with me. You've got Damon, you've got Affleck as Phil Knight, hilariously, and you've got Bateman. And then, like, when, you know, his Ernest himself makes one recommendation to you, and that's cast Viola Davis as my mom, and you mm-hmm. do that, uh, yeah, I don't know how you go wrong. Plus, you, let's just get one of the best actresses living right now yeah. to play Michael Jordan's mom. Exactly. That's fine. And you know who plays her, her husband? Her husband. Amazing. Yeah. So, why Love not? That. It's, it's so, yeah. Um, and, and, but again, it's weird that here, here we are cheering for both Nike and Michael Jordan as the underdogs in the movie, but believe it or not, there was time just a little a engine that could that, uh, that this was the, 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 the case. So yeah. And Matt Damon in one of many just, you know, great roles. Big you know, year for him. It was, it was a great year for him. So I love this, the, the soundtrack, the soundtrack's good. I mean, a short road trip scene scored by big country. Uh, in a big country by the band Big Country. Just like, yeah, all right. Ben Affleck knows his stuff. He knows what he's doing. So, yeah, it's air. It's funny because when you were like, yeah, I was programmed to like this movie because I like the Chicago Bulls. The only thing that I could come up with was, man, I loved – my favorite baseball team is the Boston Red Sox. So I was programmed to love Fever Pitch. Um, <laughs> it's like very similar movies. Yeah. Um, but, no, I also thoroughly enjoyed air um, – I think it was a nice pivot into the less dark side of some of the subject matter that Ben Affleck likes to kind of delve into, um, kind of bringing the light up a little bit. Um, and I thought it was really well made. I will say this is 
not on my top. That's why I'm commenting on it. Yeah. Uh, it's not in my top 10, but I really enjoyed this movie and would definitely watch it if somebody was like, hey, we're going to watch Air tonight. So I'm right there with you. I keep a top 10 list, not just like right before doing something like mm-hmm. this, but also throughout the whole year. And for a vast, vast majority of 2023, since I saw Air, this was in my top 10. It, it was in my top 10 until we had our big binge fest mm-hmm. in anticipation nice. yep. for this. That's basically what happened to for me. For this yep. episode. As you say, it, an easy selection for me with my top 10 are like the movies I saw multiple times. Mm-hmm. And so I went out to see this in theaters, knowing it was going to hit Amazon Prime. Then when it did, I... I Turned to my wife and I was like, we're watching air tonight and you're going to love it. Nice. And it's not the way I treat my wife. Like, you will like this. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I know how well You had it's to watch Hunger tonight. Games. Yes. So, no. Payback. I, I cashed that chip in with Ferrari. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm learning a lot about your, your marriage life yes. through this recording. You know what? It's it's about the people. We it wanna, is. Yeah. It's the journey we <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not the movies we saw. It's the journey that got us there. So, um, but yeah. Anything else? Uh, no, Eric? no. That's, that's it. I'm done with my trilogy uh, of going back in time. Of Spoiler. I wonder Tetris. what trilogy is next in his list. Um, mm. Movies already mentioned. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. Uh, okay, Erica, what about you? Number eight for me is Poor Things. Nice. Great. Uh, so if you liked the, the feminist themes of the Barbie movie but wish that it had been raunchier with a dash of gore, this is the movie for you. Um, I, the, it, yeah, just the look of this film is amazing. It's kind of a feast for the senses. And um, Emma Stone is just wonderful as this character, Bella, who's like a Frankenstein's monster type uh, character who develops from basically having the brain of a baby and then, you know, gaining, you know, more and more verbal and motor skills and then eventually being genius level by the end of the movie. Sorry, spoilers. Um, (laughs) Spoilers. Spoilers. But it's just um, her performance is so good because it's so believable and you see this transition just work so well throughout the movie. And uh, the, the way she talks is hilarious, like through a lot of the film too. Like it's, I wish I had uh, written down some one liners, but she just, she has kind of a strange, Uh, verbal syntax as she's developing her her uh, speech skills and vocabulary Uh, but it's also the best aspect for me was just watching her quest for self-actualization and complete lack of concern for social decorum or uh, acceptable behavior it's it's just uh it's very funny um I would so, say the scene at the table with the couple is, is the one that oh, I, I, I have not Where seen says, the movie. These are the three things you this say. This is the three three things you say. Yeah. Scene. Does that so is good. that the scene that concludes? Because I, I, as I just said, I haven't seen it. I would like to. Where she turns and basically says, "Like I'm going to go punch that baby." No, I think that? it was it right. happens near that. It, oh, happens, okay. Yes, yeah, that is right. right before that, and then her lover says, "You you are allowed only say the following three things in front of polite company." You know, basically, okay. But then she manages to use them in ways that are just totally inappropriate, not appropriate not, for the scene, not yeah. good for the context of the conversation. But yes, the punch the baby, th- that whole dance. Yeah, scene that dance and scene stuff that, like that, that in was general. So much fun. You know what? I'm gonna stop talking because uh, that's fair. I didn't see this movie. Wink, wink. wink. <laughs> no, uh, like Bella Baxter. <laughs> yeah, that's the wink. Yeah, he's winking at me. So, no. 
<laughs> but okay. Um, does anyone else have anything they want to say, or is this? I don't know. Did, no one else I think saw I'm, this. Apparently, movie, right? I'm going to be shamed further later on in this uh, episode. Okay, for I'll, seen it yet. I'll say like one thing I think back to with this movie is the production design all mm-hmm. the time. I think of all the, all the scenes, it's kind of continuing what we saw in other Yorgos films, like especially the, the favorites, the favorite, yeah. just how I have not seen that. You should I see don't the know favorite. if I've oh, wow. seen any of his Man. other films. Actually, Whoa. You've never seen kill, like killing okay. of a sacred deer. Dog no. dude, love the, the lobster. I don't, it, ooh, I've maybe heard not the things dog. about maybe the, the lobster, lobster but, yeah. I've, but I've not seen any of the them. The other two, Oh man. Okay, now I'm just curious. I've I've heard things about the lobster. Why are you like maybe don't see that one? Do you now love I'm animals? Curious. I do love animals. Okay. That man. don't see it. I mean, right. I would call Dogtooth and Killing of a Sacred Deer oh, horror movies. I have movies. seen I have seen Dogtooth. Okay, yeah, that was so I first. have seen that one. Yeah, where the lobster is like as dry as the Sahara Desert <laughs> comedy, though, it's going to fit more. Well, maybe you would now that since you liked Poor Things as much as you did. But Poor Things is definitely more akin to the favorite than yes. it is the lobster. Mm, definitely. Kind of that like snootiness turned on its head mm. type of thing where it's like people who kind of carry themselves as the upper crust. But there's kind of this grenade thrown in. <laughs> That grenade being Emma Stone, I guess. Yes. Um, so, and I just think Sacred Deer is a total Erica. Movie. Oh, yeah, okay, that movie is that uh, is a a trip. We'll yes, say. Yeah. All yep. right. Um, but yeah, Bo. Uh, my number eight is um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. Nice. nice. Oh. Uh, I saw this over the summer in the theater, uh, and I love. Just like how they've taken this style of animation from the Spider-Verse movies, but all the characters in this world, in this particular TMNT movie, they're like grotesque. The people in this movie look gross. And um, I think that is how this movie like found its really fun identity visually. But it's also about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and how they're outsiders and they just want to discover this world. And how um, Splinter is like overprotective, but it's also a different kind of Splinter than we've seen before. And in a lot of ways, these are different Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that we've seen before because they actually do inherit that spirit of what it is to be like a teenager in a group of four teenagers, like talking over each other. Mm -hmm. And they're very imperfect and they're still like trying to figure out how to communicate. Um, The movie does a lot of like unexpected uh, choices with villain type characters and side characters that we've seen before in TV series and comics and and other movies. Um, I watched the live action TMNT movies growing up Mm -hmm. and I sort of have a soft, soft spot for them because they were just like, you know, mindless, good, fun entertainment when I was a kid. Uh, But this movie for me is like my favorite TMNT thing I've ever seen. I didn't grow up with the cartoon. Um, I haven't really seen the the series. So my familiarization is mostly with the live action stuff from like the nineties. Um, and for this, for me, this was just like such a joy. And again, just like a pleasant surprise. I did not expect to love it this much. Yeah. It's, it's not on my list, but as I said, I wish it would have been nominated for best animated feature. Cause I mm. thought it was so good. It, it borrows from so many things and it's doing so many current things. Um, too, uh, yeah, kind of like running where Spider-Verse walked uh, with this st- animation style. It's a previously established, heavily established um, IP, 
where we've seen a lot of iterations of this before, as well as sort of this sort of kind of vogue uh, way of teeing up a sequel in a sense with like literally like throwing every other bad guy at you except one. And then, oh, (laughs) the movie ends and it's like, hey, have you heard of this this person? (laughs) Anyways, but yet all that stuff still like in the right hands can work so well. Like the alchemy comes together and produces something pretty magical. And to, to what you're saying, as far as capturing the essence of like these characters actually being children, teenagers, the voice cast of actual kids. It's so good. It Um, is so good. Like it's, it's, um, it's an obvious decision to do that, but it's also a brave decision because a lot of people would, a lot of studios would want to just cast maybe people in their 20s or early 30s and do right. that younger voice. And these kids, you get the sense that maybe they didn't know each other before this production and they sort of met through this production. And as they're doing the voices, they're becoming friends themselves in real life. That mm-hmm. energy is coming across. I did not see this, so I can't comment on it. Okay. It looks good. <laughs> yeah, um, and it sounds good. Yeah, so. it, I recommend it. I've not seen it either. Well, there you go. Um, so my number eight has already been mentioned. Um, in a previous one, and that is The Killer. Nice. Um, so this is, uh, as we said before, David Fincher um, pairing up again with Andrew Kevin Walker um, from the Seven Fame, I guess, combination, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, that's actually my favorite David Fincher movie. So I was really looking forward to this movie a lot. Um, it has a lot of those hallmarks that David Fincher has, um, kind of like his color palette, his very mannered style of directing, very precise. Um, but we do, I think, uh, go listen to our previous episode about this. Um, but kind of, again, kind of turning some things on its head where this, how like meticulous everything is, but yet everything kind of seems to keep going wrong type of thing. <laughs> yeah, And that's kind of where that kind of dark humor that you see from Fincher movies in general, but especially also Andrew Kevin Walker's kind of, sick sense of humor type of thing come in. Um, I already mentioned uh, Tilda Swinton, how great she is in this. Um, But I also wanted to bring up the scene um, with uh, the, is it a staple gun or a nail? Yeah, the the, lawyer. The the lawyer scene. A nail gun. (laughs) And just that's a scene that has really like stayed with me for a really (laughs) long time. Um, And it's, uh, it's like, there's the the comedy to it, but it's also extremely dark. Um, but yeah, I loved this movie a lot. Uh, we talked about it in our previous episode. Obviously, it's been mentioned already. Um, and uh, Erica hated it, so it's I fine. Did. No. I did. I'm sorry. That's fine. Oh. Um, but yeah, that's my number eight, The Killer. Um, but yeah, cool. I think we unless. We're good. We'll move on to number seven. <laughs> it's just Jared's top ten of like steam being taken away from me, essentially. <laughs> no, you're and good. you go first. <laughs> you went first. I you know. know. <laughs> and yet I was still undercut from the get-go. Well, you know what? Seven. Maybe stop <laughs> liking movies so much that we just think are okay, I guess. I <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> speaking of such, it's Barbie for me at number seven. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I'd say Oscar snubs aside. And the fact that it made a billion dollars aside, uh, I think Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig set out to like make something special, and they like overperformed on that front. Like I and the fact that it made so much money is a testament to just like how well they did uh, everything, both in front of and behind the camera. Um, 
you know, Margot Robbie, she's been attached to this for a while. She was a champion of it. Uh, it's funny to hear her tell the story or hear the story about how she told Warner Brothers naively, but just, you know, t- to get their attention that this will be a billion dollar franchise. And I don't know who necessarily would have believed that, but here we are now after mm-hmm. the fact. And it, it, for me, this was also kind of like I had to see it to believe it in the same way like the Lego movie, you know? Uh, That's like, probably the closest comp that, that is a good to this. Comparison, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it kind of borrows a lot from its playbook in a way. Um, and whether you like kind of like believe all the realities it sets up and whether you believe the Will Ferrellness of it in either <laughs> case. But, you know, bring Will Ferrell in to be the, the face of a corporation. Know, and you don't have to do the exact same place. I mean, I haven't seen this movie. Right. Why are you talking about the movie? You I haven't mean, seen? I listened so to the episode that you guys put out. And That's so fair. I didn't have to see it now. That's and fair. yeah, I think this was such a delight. It was the first movie I saw that weekend um, in the Barbenheimer weekend. And it was just it was pure joy. Yes. I do believe Ryan Gosling is deserving of his Oscar nomination, not any more so than Ferreira, Robbie, or Gerwig. But it was hilarious, especially, I mean, and I'm very aware of the other side who, like, just, you know, came hard after this movie. Maybe because it was hit too close to home with them. But the whole take on patriarchy, especially (laughs) as it's realized in the movie, it's just, it's, it's so funny. As Gosling says off screen to his delight at one moment, it's sublime. (laughs) So I, yeah, I've watched it a second time and that was at home with my whole family showing my kids because I'm like, this is what movies can be. Let's talk about what a gynecologist is now. (laughs) I'm I'm detecting that this is perhaps the best time to mention uh, that I ha- didn't put this on my list to catch the least smoke in this recording. Okay. So this is this is going to probably be in my honorable mentions list. Um, but I still agree with like what I've heard about yeah. Barbie so far. It's just one of those things where it is a crowded year. It is like such yeah, a good year. Really was. So even though it's not in my top ten, um, that doesn't mean I I disagree with either what you or Erica have shared about the movie. Yeah. So. That's cool. all I have to say about Barbie. I haven't seen it, so right. So we know. <laughs> so we'll, we'll keep moving, uh, Erica. So I'll be surprised that this is on anyone else's list. It's but... Keaton again. It's weird. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would be kind of wild. It's my number four. Erica's number one. <laughs> yeah, again. It's so weird. Keaton. Uh, <laughs> How yeah, many that, movies that did you see year. this year where someone has a physical relationship with a motor vehicle? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, and this year, none. Um, but I had to think about it for a second. Um, so my it was number... in TMNT, which you haven't seen. Yeah, right? okay. that's what it is. Um, my number seven pick is Brooklyn Forty Five. Okay. I don't know if I can pronounce the director's name, but he also directed We Are Still Here. And oh, okay. He was a writer on a, a comedy horror film I really enjoyed called uh, Satanic Panic. Um, I know nothing about what you're about to talk about. I don't know what this is. So this um, this was one I knew nothing about. It it showed up on Shutter, and uh, it's like, oh, it's set in 1945. It's like a post World War II uh, drama, but it's also has a very deliberately stagey feel to it. It feels like it was a staged play, and Mm -hmm. all the action takes place in one room. Well, except for the opening and end credits, but 
they're, they're you could you could essentially I saw this yeah. movie also. You could have cut that or re fixed it for the stage and you wouldn't lose Absolutely. anything. So yeah. So keep, uh, you, a group going. of friends get an invitation. The thing that all of the friends have in common is they all served in World War II in some capacity or other. Most of them in some kind of active combat position. But there's a, a woman character whose specialty was enhanced interrogation, we'll say, and uh, her husband, who was the only one who was not really directly involved in combat, like he had some kind of office job. So then the guys who were uh, in, in serving in More combat com- positions yeah. kind of looked down um, on him, like, "Yeah, you're not, you're not a real man," kind of thing. So they they find out the reason they're invited there is that uh, Larry Fessenden's character wants Scream to do. King. Uh, yeah, he has been in so many horror movies. Also, also in We Are Still Here by the same director. He um, wants them all to be part of a seance because his wife killed herself, uh, and he's trying to see if there's you know really an afterlife. And then things go off the rails. Um, they end up not ending the seance properly. Uh, they're all stuck in the, this room together. And they find out that the, the guy who invited them has a captive locked up in the, the closet. And it's the, uh, the German immigrant who um, the, uh, the one character's wife was very paranoid about before she committed suicide. So then it becomes this whole issue of... Um, you know, is she like a Nazi spy? What are we going to do with her? Maybe we need to kill her. And then the characters are having all these moral debates. So it's actually very thought provoking, very dialogue driven, minus a couple uh, gory scenes. Yeah, the there's the scene with Larry, like ultimately mm-hmm. uh, with him uh, is pretty yeah. Pretty gory. Um, yeah, it's like it's one of those things where it's like, well, I don't want to spoil, you know, stuff. But yeah, I think this is a movie that you don't want to spoil anything with. I also saw this. This is one of those uh, things where um, I was just kind of looking at best of lists for horror movies, and this was popping up on a couple of them. Um, so I watched it. Uh, yeah, I would love to see a stage version of this. Mm-hmm. I think it would really work uh, really well, which you don't really see in horror very often. You Ones really that don't. would be like good stage mm-hmm. productions and still be effective. Um, I think the use of paranoia in general is very on kind of uh, both sides of the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. You have kind of these like I guess I wouldn't call them right wing caricatures, but kind of these like machismo, like, oh, we fought on the front line. So we're like big America people. And then also, as Erica yeah, brought up, kind of the the desk job type of guy who's a little bit more like meek and kind of more of I wouldn't say he's a pacifist by any means, but still um, seen as this other thing. Um, I really like this movie, too. Um, I think that it takes some chances in mm-hmm. certain places that I thought were really good. Um, I think my biggest holdup is I think it kind of has a clunky ending in a my little, opinion. A little bit. Um, it just kind of ends to us. Like, I mean, it, it wraps up satisfactory, um, but I was kind of hoping for kind of a build up to something else yeah and it just kind of definitely could have been more to the ending it ends up being very i guess ambiguous in certain ways 
but also, but also kind of straightforward in other ways where it's just like, there's this whole moral dilemma going on throughout the whole film. And then it's like, Oh, well this is the, like, this is the decision. And then you're just like, Oh, okay. I, there's, there's that. Um, but yeah, I would yeah, definitely I, I recommend I, it. Yeah. I definitely wanted to know more about repercussions for certain characters it, with certain yes. actions. I'll just put it that way. Uh, agreed. Um, but yeah, I think like the, the, the moral, dilemma and the debates the characters have is still really relevant today because it's so much about like what are the limits of patriotism and service to your country and and like the fear of the other is a huge theme especially in a post-world war ii mm-hmm. world but, well, but yeah i this- had this was unknown to me and sometimes top 10 lists can kind of reveal Something new. So that's why these that's, are so great. Yeah, it's I, I awesome. Like, I've yeah. written down a couple recommendations that I missed. So if, if anyone's interested in seeing this, it's on Shudder. Cool. Yeah. Shout out Shudder. Nice. I feel like this is our uh, episode plug for Shudder. We also you brought up Draft House also. So yes. there yes. we go. We're swinging for those sponsorships. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if that's allowed. Anyway. Uh, it's but, not. Let's keep not, going. But who cares? It's free publicity. Um, Bo. My number seven is John Wick Chapter 4. Okay. Uh, I'm a fan of the John Wick series. I uh, think in a lot of ways they've just kind of gotten better and better um, with a an exception <laughs> in is, there. Is Which, that well, number three? Two, is that two the exception? <laughs> two I didn't enjoy as much. Oh, okay. Same actually. here. Oh. Yeah. I still own it, but yeah. I still <laughs> like Here's the thing, though. I still liked yeah, it, know. you know. Um, but uh, I loved three, and I loved four. Um, John Wick Chapter 4 has so many sequences I still think about, even just like this many months since seeing it, because I saw it over the summer. Is that when it came out? Yeah, I mm-hmm. saw it so many months ago now, but I still remember vividly all of the sequences and I'm going to this movie to just have a great time. You know, it's, it doesn't have, um, an Oscar winning story. Right. Um, I think John wick himself doesn't really speak a lot in this movie. Uh, but I think back to a a car chase scene in Paris and I think back to a staircase scene and I think back to sort of an overhead shot sequence. Uh, Dragon's Um, breath. Yes. (laughs) Just stuff I have never seen before in any action movie, and they're all happening in this movie. And um, I think what prevents this movie from being even higher on my list is that at a certain point, it is just relentless. It is dudes (laughs) getting shot for like two and a half hours, and it's just that and that and that and that and that and that, and it happens over and over and over. And so I do get a little fatigued from this movie, from this kind of action movie that just does not stop. But throughout, it's still really, really good. It's still really, really fun. And so uh, this is one of those movies on my list uh, that's just there because it's fun. Oh, yeah. I actually, it's not a blind spot because I saw it, I loved it, and I can't believe I should have slotted it in myself because (laughs) it is. Like for a number four, you don't expect it to keep going and to keep like upping and outdoing itself. But yeah, that car scene, I think it's got a, um, a French version of, like, Paint It Black score mm. to it. Just stays with me. The scene with, like, Scott Adkins in a fat suit. Like, I didn't know who yes. that was at first. Oh, my God. And that was an incredible fight yes. scene. And Donnie Yen is in there. And I'm just like, what is going on? This oh, is nuts. Donnie Yen's character, I want to see a whole, like, yeah. again, miniseries about right. just that character. Yeah. yeah. Um, gosh, yeah. John Wick Chapter 4, extremely good. 
I did not see this movie. So I, I did see so it. I don't know if you're as you say, um, there's no who knows. Okay. You're not doing the wink. You're not doing the Bella Baxter thing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um so I'm not gonna comment on oh, this. Okay. Um, I thought you did see it. Who knows? It might be later. I've we'll lost see. the plot. I have no idea what's <laughs> going go. on. Isn't that the whole it's all about smoke screens? It is. Um cool. Uh so we have our first sync up. Uh, my next movie is Barbie. All right. Hey. Um, yeah. So I did see it. Spoiler, guys. Um, <laughs> he saw it in the last 10 minutes. I saw it. I was watching it on my phone while you guys were talking, actually. Yeah. No, at um, 20x speed. Yeah. Uh, but no, uh, I mean, all the things that we've already said, uh, just this movie shouldn't work as well as it does. Um, but it's just very smart and it's arguably the funniest movie of the year to shout out to Ryan Gosling. Um, but some other ones that I wanted to shout out, um, Simu, Simu Liu, is that how you pronounce his last yeah, name? Simu Liu, yeah. Um, Who is the like rival Ken. I mean, yes. I mean, uh, I think it, the, the thing is, is this movie is not a secret is what I'll say is that like even the people that, who, who haven't seen the movie, there's a lot of scenes that people already know, like the the beach, the beach you <laughs> the beach off, off scene, sure. the beach off scene, uh, <laughs> hilarious. Um, but some other ones I wanted to shout out to is uh, we haven't talked about Michael Sarah. I know as Alan, um, as Alan, uh, uh, all of yeah. Ken's clothes fit him. All, 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 his, all of Ken's clothes fit him. Uh, fantastic. Um, I loved Kate McKinnon. Weird Barbie. Um, as weird ba- Barbie. Oh, Such yeah. a good I mean, concept. perfect casting. I yeah, definitely. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how, you, and it was nice to see, uh, you understand it immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved seeing Margot Robbie and, uh, her link up again. Uh, cause I thought their chemistry in, um, oh my goodness. Uh, uh, Sorry, wait. I, I was I, I'm, Margot I was, Robbie with whom? With Kate McKinnon in uh, uh, the Bom- Fox movie or Bom- Fox Bombshell. Movie, Bombshell. Bombshell. Oh, yeah. that's right. In yeah, Bombshell, yeah. I thought was so good. Oh, man, professional um, <laughs> was so good. So it was fun to see them together. And then this is also really small, but I really liked Hari Neff in this movie as Doctor oh, Barbie. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was, yeah, she was. I I, I just really like her too, well, and like from all the of person her. who has Saltburn on their list. You're not going to mess. You're well, not going to mention Midge played by Emerald Fennell. <laughs> yeah, the very <laughs> the really uh, memorable character of Midge. No, so funny. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. It really is funny. But let's um, not talk about Midge. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, you could just go down this list of, of great cameos and bit characters and, and stuff like that. Um, but I just I really I thought this movie had a lot to say and did it very effectively. And like I said, it's probably the one of the funniest movies of the year, too. So it's very accessible, but has a lot to say. Um, Talk to me like you're explaining The Godfather to me. I was going to say, that <laughs> was the scene when that, when that happened. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, all these movie bros <laughs> now. It's like, I've done that before. No, um, but, uh, but no. Or, I mean, I wonder what um, uh, Rob Thomas thought of this movie too when they're all playing the oh, Matchbox song, 20. Trust me, yeah. I <laughs> imagine he's yeah wiping his the tears away with the with, royalty with checks. The royalty checks. <laughs> I See, won't I, push you I've, I've always wondered how people feel <laughs> if people are conflicted about that when people use other people's music or like media in general, but in a negative <laughs> as, a as a joke. Pride and Prejudice, one of my mom's favorite BBC miniseries. 
Yeah, was uh, it a bit of a joke at one point? Yeah, yeah. it was just like, I, I mean, they seem like they're cool guys, like from all the interviews I've seen, <laughs> so they probably didn't care. Um, but I just thought this movie was really effective in everything that it did. Um, and yeah, I loved it. So that's my that's that's mine. So are are y'all excited about future Mattel movies after Barbie? Just yeah. a real quick yes, no. I mean, if they do that no. quality of work, sure. Like, how long did it know. take for us to get to this movie? Because, I mean, previously there was going to be an incarnation with Amy Schumer. That could have been good, especially at the time it was being developed. But, yeah, I <laughs> I think it, finding that right voice for it. Yeah, yeah and also, huge. I don't even know what other toys Mattel makes or has made. I I'm waiting. Hot Wheels yeah. oh, okay. and mm-hmm. Rock'em Sock'em Robots. and oh We got that with Real Steel, though. Yeah. I did have a lot of Hot there. Wheels as a little kid before I got into Barbie. There's some more obscure ones. I know yeah. the list is is very extensive if you look at the technical list. like I, yeah. I mean, it probably depends on who is backing it. Yeah. <laughs> like If you get somebody as good as Greta Gerwig involved. Or Lord and Miller, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be good. So mm-hmm. that plays a lot. I don't, I don't guess – have they announced who is doing those movies? Oh, man. I thought maybe oh. like Hot Wheels had somebody. So but... they also do Monster High. They did Masters of the Universe. Yes, that was the, okay. another big one. Yep. Okay. Well, Look, just that was already That was already nailed 100% in the 80s with Courtney Cox and Dolph uh, Lundgren. So no need to revisit <laughs> As a movie concept, no. Mm-hmm. But – to see who's behind the scenes would would sway mild my mildly cautiously optimistic yeah. maybe yeah potentially okay, okay. So, i'm kind of there too there you go so that's my number seven jared number six seem like jj abrams might be involved in the Hot Wheels movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is the mattel movie cast now yeah, more of a hasbro guy really but <laughs> uh i mean talking about that's probably more interesting than my number six at this point it's the killer Oh. Um, so, yep, this is just uh, my nominal mention of it. Everything that you y'all have already said uh, kind of hits the uh, nail on the chest. So, <laughs> I, again, this guy the, over here, the reunion, <laughs> dad jokes all day. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. No, <laughs> the reunion he gets between those Shutter royalty checks. <laughs> <laughs> he gets the, the Matchbox Twenty royalty <laughs> checks. <laughs> um. Yeah, we kept Andrew, Kevin Walker, and Fincher back together. You know, I know they've collaborated since Seven. I think he's done some uncredited work on like Zodiac and things yeah. like that. But I love that. Um, love the humor, as it was mentioned, because yeah, I think what I enjoyed most about this movie was it's not your traditional like hitman movie because he's not always good at his job. Um, he's got a lot of methodology. He has a lot of ph- philosophy, but he's human. He makes errors, and he contradicts exactly what he says he should be doing mm-hmm. more often than not. And it's kind of surprising when it does and and creates, like, kind of spontaneous fun and jolting moments in that movie throughout. And, yeah, the structure, as we've already said, kind of, kind of, kind of it just all works for me. So, yeah, nothing more to add there. The killer. Cool. Number already six. mentioned here. We'll wait for it to be later in uh, Erica's That's list. That's going to be the best <laughs> part when it's, it's her number one. Like, you know what? Guys, she could have had a change of heart. I came around. I've watched it ten times, including last night. I was watching it while you were talking. No, um, <laughs> I, I'd like to skip to my number five be, just before anybody steals it, but let's just let that happen anyways. Okay. So. Well, uh, rolling the dice here. Okay. 
number six. Uh, Infinity Pool Ooh. by Brandon Cronenberg. Okay. So um, he made a weird, unsettling movie about how rich people ruin everything and use scapegoats to escape punishment. Um I would just say this is more of a documentary than a horror film. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, and there's not a lot I can say about this movie without spoiler territory. And I, I have I, not seen this. It's on my list of movies I missed. I will say on the on the positive side, I think, uh, you know, Mia Goth easily gave the best performance of this. She, I won't explain. When doesn't it. she give yeah. a yeah. great performance um, though? She's like the Barry Keoghan, but on the other side. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's a good comparison. Uh, but yeah, like, I, I won't go into details because that's spoiler territory, but you see her character go from this being like kind of wide-eyed, sort of seemingly innocent fangirl type to being just, just depraved, sadistic, uh, unhinged. So it's... Uh, in, yeah, which hopefully isn't like – hopefully that is acting. I mean now we have those allegations <laughs> well, in the news about uh, her allegedly kicking the I know an actor extra in the head. Yeah, on the set of Maxine and then that extra getting fired. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, that whole uh, that whole mess. I think I said the I least all it in the chat. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, I heard about it um, through you. On the downside, my one criticism of this movie is I could have done without some of the bodily fluids in this movie. That's and a lot seeing them, America. yeah, seeing them in close up, yeah. Blood, I'm fine with some of the other things. Yeah, there's some uh, can maybe. Yeah, we don't need to get yeah, into it. We don't want to spoil out. it for that was, a, that was a critique of mine with salt burn too. <laughs> <laughs> Too many um, bodily fluids. Okay, so that that is a theme of 2023. <laughs> yes, that we did not identify earlier. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this isn't on my list, but I also saw this movie. I I did think. It, it was a it was a movie that is very strange. Obviously, I mean, you got the Cronenberg background just in general, but also coming from Possessor, which is also a very strange movie. Um, but yeah, Mia Goth, I loved her performance. Um, but l- like you were saying, she kind of you see her change. But like even when she becomes maniacal, she still has room to grow. Mm-hmm. Also, um, where she kind of without getting into spoilers kind of is a kind of a general depraved person and then kind of focuses a little bit more on certain things and the way that she interacts with certain characters um, is really good. Love her. Um, I I did think that uh, Alexander Skarsgård was a little bit sleepy in this movie. Yeah. um, Um, His his character development was not as – well, I mean, he does have development, but it's not as uh, varied, and his performance isn't as varied as Mia Goth's is, I, think I guess I would say. the biggest detriment is that Mia Goth is so much better than everyone else in the yeah, movie, in my opinion. It is kind of harder for the other uh, actors to really shine <laughs> to the yeah. same degree. Mm-hmm. Huh? But would definitely recommend it. I mean, if you're looking forward to seeing it, I would still say go I see really- it. Not assuming that it's like Possessor, but I really liked Possessor. You know, it's, so there's some you can tell that they're made by the same person. Elements yeah. again, but, it's on my like movies I missed that I would have watched if I had enough time. Mm-hmm. I so, think it's on Hulu still. Yeah, I, I think, think it is. Right. We leaving so, it there. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, I'll leave it's it, not. I'll leave I, it there, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> Alexander Skarsgård. Sleepy, that's sad. My wife usually describes him as dreamy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, I guess yeah, like, part of it is the character he's playing. He's like a, kind of a failed writer or a writer who has maybe severe writer's block and has not produced any work for years. And 
he's trying to get his creative spark back. I so mean, that's I, kind of the backstory of this of his character in this. I appreciate him working kind of like with like a new generation of auteurs out there because you know being the lead of like the Northmen last mm-hmm. year and things. So I'm glad that he's diversifying his work if yes, it's not always very successful. Different than his role mm-hmm. in the Northmen, but true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, Bo. My number six is. Uh, Godzilla minus one. Um, I'm so glad I saw this in the theater. Um, just amazing visual effects. It's nominated for best visual effects at the Oscars. And that was something a lot of people were really happy about. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, getting a nod there, which is nice. Um, amazing sound that just blasts you back in your seat when you're watching this in the theater. But also it is a touching story about people as well. Um, this is a, you know, I've never been like a huge Godzilla person. You know, I've seen, I think maybe one other Godzilla film, big Matthew Broderick guy, (laughs) (laughs) uh, not that one, like one of the original ones, like from From the fifties. Right. Um, but so I don't have a lot to compare it to. Um, but I thought that the human story in this was great. It is kind of about a found family and I kind of noticed another mini trend, with just stories about families finding each other, like unconventional families in a couple of the movies I saw this Mm -hmm. year. And this was probably my favorite of all of those that I saw as well. Um, So I just love the depth there emotionally with this film. Um, This is on my two C list. Yeah. Cool. Cool. uh, Missed it right now. I actually, you know, I took my kids to see Teenage Ninja Turtles mayhem and for a brief moment in time, when I heard about Godzilla minus one and how good it was, and the fact that my kids really they enjoyed watching uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Um, nice. And oh, I guess they, I have seen those. Dang. And like yeah. the, we've watched but, Kong Skull Island multiple times because I really mm-hmm. enjoy that movie. And I so did like that one. <laughs> so there was a brief moment in time when I was like, "Oh my gosh, honey, get the kids. We're going to the movie theaters. Honey, stop the car. My kids can't really read yet, so that's fair. Wait. Yeah, <laughs> probably just enjoy the visuals, though, right? Oh yeah, you can yeah. still get most of what's going on with the story, you know, just from what you're seeing too. Much so like, it's a that's very powerful storytelling, really. Right Much there. like Chris Alita, <laughs> which <laughs> transitions us few, to yeah. <laughs> Jared's number five. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why you, know, you really wanted to yeah, talk exactly. about it. You know, I was worried I that we were going to say that throughout the yes. Facebook messenger. Yeah. Wow, you kept your cards held close. I, like yeah, I was at no. work and I was like, oh, um, yeah. Uh, but, just a little NSFW. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It, it, it's just words. It's not anything else. Um, I watched it at 20x speed. Yeah, that is kind of the best way to watch it. Honestly, I, I admit I, I did that through several oh, scenes. Oh, God. I can't imagine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, all you prestige people listening to this. Just put it on your radar, I guess. Or, or don't. Maybe or don't. don't put that in your search history. I'm just going to say. Um, great. Well, I guess I'll move on to my next one, yeah. uh, which is one that has already been brought up, um, and that's Poor Things. Um, cool. thing about this is this is the one movie I went to the movie theater to see um, in my binge session. Um Everything I was able to either find on a streaming service or rental from Amazon. But this was one where I was like, I know the quality that I'm going to get from Yurgos. We need to go to the movie theater for this one since it's not on anything. Um, And I thoroughly enjoyed this. I mean, I thought this is also one of the funniest movies of the year. Um, 
Emma Stone is hilarious, but I also want to say uh, Mark Ruffalo and his decline throughout the movie is hilarious. There's a scene mm-hmm. um, where he is like on a street and she's on a balcony and he's like in hysterics, like yelling towards her. And she's like, go home. <laughs> and I thought it was I just lost it. I thought it was so funny um, and just see him try to kind of. Because he's kind of a scumbag throughout the movie, but he's trying to like posture as this uppity, like upper crust person and try to acclimate this person who he knows has the mind of a child into Mm -hmm. this, into this uh, culture and kind of atmosphere that he wants to associate himself with. um, And just seeing the, the way that that kind of blows up in his face. I Mm -hmm. I love the way his status changes too. There's Mm -hmm. it, um, the way his character develops, Reminds me of an exercise um, some improv performers uh, practice, which is like basically the game. It's a game you can play. It's called status change, right? I guess Hmm. different troops can call it different things. But it's a scene where you have people, you have characters who are like in a position of authority and then people who are like submissive or below Mm -hmm. them in Mm -hmm. some way. But then something has to happen where the people in authority, they basically switch roles Mm -hmm. where the people in authority lose their power. And then maybe by the end it switches again. Maybe it switches a fourth time, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's switching several times. His is just he gets less and less power. It's just a just Mm -hmm. a sharp downward decline. And um, when you see like how much control he has over like everything that's going on at the beginning, you Mm -hmm. don't expect that that's possible with him. Yeah. And uh, like. You had said the production design is fantastic mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, another thing I wanted to that I really loved is the editing in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some comedy cuts in this movie that are so well executed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, where one in particular, where I think it might actually be the 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 crispy biscuits scene. I guess is what. Is she saying the where she can only have three things to say? Oh, yeah. oh right. There's yeah, a hard yeah. cut immediately after that to Willem Dafoe burping, and he <laughs> has this special. That's so weird. He said his father removed. Oh yeah, he was like a guinea pig for his father's experiments, and his father removed like his stomach and he, other. He basically has to burp in bubbles, essentially. Yeah, yeah. and so there's a hard cut between the two, and it's. So well executed. Yeah. <laughs> um, this podcast is no fun listening to you three. Talk I about know this you should see it. Desperately um, want to see. Go and see it. It's, um, worth, it's definitely I, worth seeing. I would I'm, say I'm trying to watch it right now. I know, right? <laughs> um, I, I would say I guess the the holdups I have with this movie is I think it does uh, kind of meander a little bit mm-hmm. in the middle, mm-hmm. um, where we kind of reach a location and then we kind of stay there for a really long time. Talking and, about the ship. Well, I mean, this movie is also pretty episodic as well. Yeah, um, very chapter. I, I would say even the brothel scene start or yeah. stuff. Kind of you, you get there, and it's a lot of the same type of stuff. Now you see, still see the development of kind of the cognitive side of Emma Stone throughout sure. it. Um, but then I also thought kind of the admiral scene at the end felt kind of unneed like I understand introducing this character because it is important to the backstory but it was like oh I guess we're gonna go on a trip 
and do this. The movie kind of has two end sequences, and yeah, I think that's yeah. going to be a, a turnoff for some people. But I definitely was surprised by that. Like, and there's, there's here's another like chapter of this movie that it was you like, think was wrapping up, right? Yeah, because yeah, it felt like the movie was coming to a close, and then this character comes, and you're like, oh, I guess she's going to go do this for a bit or something like that. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess I get it. But And at that point you think there's no one I can hate in this movie more than Mark Ruffalo's character. And then there is. And then yeah. little do you know. <laughs> and then little um, do you know. Christopher Abbott comes in and he's awful. Um, spoiler, I guess. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what's but, going on. But uh, I will say also I was kind of hoping for a different twist at the end. Um, but we can talk about that off. I was hoping for a different one too. Yeah. I wonder if we're I wonder if we're thinking the of the same thing. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just say a character dies and another character has oh. a surgery happen. And I thought that there was going to be a switching there, but instead there's a different do. switch that happens. Okay. Do you know where I'm yeah, going yeah, with this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That is uh, that was actually my issue too. Where I'm like, you know, I would have that would have been a nice bow at the end, in my mm-hmm, opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would have been. They didn't go for that. Uh, I, man, I wish that you've seen this movie because now the, I want to talk about. No it. idea what we're talking <laughs> this, about. This is where I'll say I did see this uh, in the theater. I really liked it. It's not on my list. Okay. So this will be one of my honorable. Mentions. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And that's what I have to say. I mean, uh, also another shout out is Tony McNamara the writer of this movie. He also did The Favorite, but then he also wrote The Great, um, which is a television show on Hulu. Oh, yeah. Um, has Holt. very The Favorite vibes. Yeah, with um, Nicholas Holt. With Nicholas Holt, mm-hmm. uh, with Al Fanning. Also a very good show. Um, shout out to that as well. But yeah, that's uh, Poor Things. That one is my number six. So we're in our top fives now, guys. Wow. Halfway there. Did we spoil it for you? i <clears throat> I, maybe if I wait a few weeks to watch it, I'll have forgotten all of these no, things that we obliquely talked about. Did we spoil your number five? No, we didn't. So okay. I'm actually thrilled <laughs> we got here. Probably the only time I'm going to be able to mention a movie first. It strays. No. Yes. <laughs> Trust me. Cocaine I, bear. Guys, <laughs> reviewing my list of mu- movies I saw last year, both those were on there. And I was like, I did see strays and cocaine I bear. I did. I saw both of those movies also. So. <laughs> all right. Now, number five. Talk to me. Okay. Uh, nice. Yeah, I understand why you would tread carefully with this crew. <laughs> well, you know, when I, I heard a lot about Talk to Me through podcasts as far as like, you know, when it was hitting the festival circuit, it got a lot of buzz. And, you know, coming from A24, that kind of primed me as well. And when I watched it, I immediately knew that this was going to kind of be this year's slot for like Barbarian. Like just an mm. excellent like horror movie that just kind of like works on all levels. And this is the movie that the exorcist believer wishes it was because I mean, you know, just like the parallels there between, you know, like a young, uh, young girl dealing with the death of a mother wanting to reconnect possession being an element of it. And the exorcist believer just falling kind of so flat and being so broad, but Talk to me being so specific and working so well. I mean, yeah, David Gordon Green is a great filmmaker who's been doing this for decades. But the the Philip Who Brothers is he great? I, okay, people are is that starting a real to conversation that we need to talk about. I, I was gonna say, Big your highness guy over here, dude. I, I rewatched <laughs> that. I was like, do I need to see that again? Because I remember that being awful. Cut to it's still awful, but um. <laughs> 
Yeah, the Exorcist believer. I mean, it's it's like him missing the mark for me with like Halloween ends. It's funny so. we got talked to. It's a backdoor cover of. Uh, just, <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> look, I can name several good Gord, uh, David Gordon Green movies, but uh, talk to me is what I want to be talking about. The Filippo brothers. This being their first movie, mm-hmm. uh, YouTube stars previously, and, and just it's so assured with what they're doing, like this movie, like has kind of like a lot of kineticism to like the movie making that you're just you feel like you're in like hands of like skilled craftsmen that have been doing this for a while um the way they you know kind of convey the possession element as far as you know taking a hold of this hand and kind of like performing this near seance like Mm -hmm. ritual but then the kid's nearly getting addicted to it and the filmmaking style going along with it you get pulled into it as well like you get it's kind of mesmerizing the way that they shoot oh, the yeah. possession scenes. Yeah. And <laughs> then um, along with that, there's some brutalism in there that just like starts like kind of – I don't know. You kind of expect it but you don't at the same time. The opening scene has a shocking moment and the obvious, you know, possession scenes take a shocking turn and it gets it gets graphic. And the the end, I love how at first it's maybe a little ambiguous, but it ties up really nicely at the end with where it leaves a character. I just, yeah, Talk to Me was was great and sadly overshadows the previous Don Cheadle movie of the same name. So, <laughs> Don yeah. Cheadle not in this movie. Um, he is not. Yeah. And Don Cheadle as the hand. He was the. He did the voice of the hand. They cut all his lines. But <laughs> I am. I wish I had seen this movie. This is on my yeah. list list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm. I'm so sad about that. Yeah, I. I did get to see it. This was a difficult top ten list though, and like within the last week or two, I saw three movies that messed up mm. my existing list and this got bumped to honorable mentions. It's the exact same thing that happened to me yeah. as well. Wow. All right, well, I'm, yeah, I'm is, repping, repping it here. Yeah, I have, thank you for talking it in yeah. that way too where you were like giving me all the information I need to be even more excited about it without spoiling anything. Yeah, and I would yeah. say we should probably leave it where it's at. Yeah, okay. I will add without, you know, giving anything away, just I'm, you know, sometimes teen horror movies can be really lame and just like, mm. this is like, way better than a teen horror movie should be. Okay. Oh, yes. Agreed. Cool. Absolutely. It's so much watching. more elevated. Yes. Um, and like, yeah, the addiction side of it is such mm-hmm. a, such a good, like kind of metaphor for, for that too. But yeah, I, I would say, I think you covered it perfectly. I don't think we should talk anymore about it. Cool. Um, but yeah, uh, Erica. So yeah, the next one I have is one of the movies that was just recently released to streaming platforms that came out on Shudder today too. So if you have Shudder, you can Ooh, check it out. Shout out. Um, but yeah, this is one of the, the three movies that messed up my uh, previous list. Suitable Flesh, directed by Joe, uh, Joe Lynch, starring uh, Heather Graham in the lead oh, and Barbara Crampton in the yeah. supporting role. So if you are a fan of H.P. Lovecraft and you wanted an adaptation of one of his lesser appreciated stories, The Thing on the Doorstep, but one that captured the kink potential that Lovecraft missed, then this <laughs> is for you. <laughs> um, so this, this was originally supposed to be directed by Stuart Gordon, who, of course, made movies like Reanimator and From Beyond. But, uh, well, sadly, and then, yeah, Barbara Crampton right there. Exactly, yeah. Mm, yeah so there's yeah. already like that connection. Uh, sadly, Stuart Gordon passed away mm. before he could make this movie a reality. Um, but uh, a nice thing about 
Joe Lynch's direction is he makes you feel like you are watching a 1980s Stuart Gordon film. He he does like the campy eroticism of those films, the the gore, like the outrageousness. Um, this movie is another one that might be a bit polarizing to people, but um, I feel okay giving spoilers for this one because it's based on a classic story. Yeah, so I it. don't care. But um, <laughs> this, uh, so the Lovecraft short story, the thing on the doorstep, was inspired by a nightmare he had, and in his notes he wrote the premise was uh, of her theme of his dream was man has terrible wizard friend who gains influence over him kills him in defense of his soul walls body up an ancient cellar but the dead wizard who has said strange things about the soul lingering in the body changes bodies with him leaving a conscious corpse in a cellar (laughs) okay and that that does sum up some things that happen here um and uh I don't know. I guess the the way you could sum sum up this movie adaptation, though, tale as old as time. We have boy meets girl, boy swaps bodies with girl without her consent, boy has kinky sex with girl's husband while in girl's body. Um, so well, that, that <laughs> classic um, story, that, that old chestnut. <laughs> yeah, that that was not in Lovecraft's version, but the potential was there because you did have the protagonist's wife being possessed by this ancient wizard who stays immortal just by jumping from body to body over the course of centuries or millennia. So it's like Lovecraft missed an opportunity there. These filmmakers have, you know, taken advantage of the wrong. Yes. Um, Not everyone's going to like that element because Lovecraft was not known for his erotic fiction for one thing, but also some of the, the more erotic scenes are also just kind of creepy and have like a little bit of a rapey vibe to them because like the villain is like a disgusting person or thing um and just exploits people uses their bodies and then throws them out basically okay. um, but yeah I, I was very pleasantly surprised by this because i am a big fan of Stuart gordon's 1980s work particularly his lovecraftian films the only thing this movie was missing was having jeffrey combs in one of the the roles but uh apparently he wasn't available due to some other film that he was working on at the time. But we got Barbara Crampton in a supporting role. And that's all you really need right there. Exactly. Heard of this movie? Have not seen it? Yeah, no, I remember reading a bit about it, seeing like some of the screenshots with Heather Graham and just be like, oh, that sounds... Sounds pretty Sounds sweet. Cute. Yeah, I uh, just wanted to shout out, since you're talking about uh, Joe Lynch, I feel like you just keep saying shout out, whatever. We're shouting out a lot of people. <laughs> um, his, um, his film Mayhem uh, with Stephen Young. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, really yeah. good yeah. really good movie. Um, kind of, it was the uh, another, like, trapped in a, in a building where it's kind of zombie-like, but... Um, sort of like a rage virus kind of scenario, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it mirrored... I mean, I think it came out the same year as, as a Belko experiment, and there's uh, kind of some uh. similarities between the two of them, but very good movie. Would recommend that one. I also... This is a really random one. Um, he was a part of an anthology horror movie called Chillerama, uh-huh. um, which I think is really fun um if you like kind of silly horror anthology movies um so those were just kind of two that i wanted to to bring up uh in regards to him yeah so i know mayhem has been on shutter at least in the past i don't know about now um but if you're interested in watching suitable flesh it is now on shutter or it's available to rent on other platforms sweet cool well top five my number five is 
Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Okay. Uh, sequel to Into the Spider-Verse that we got um, quite a number of years now ago now. Um, and I loved Into the Spider-Verse. I think I like Across the Spider-Verse as much as Into the Spider-Verse. Mm. Some people are like, Across the Spider-Verse better or Into the Spider-Verse better. I can't really decide which one I prefer. I, I love both of mm -hmm. them. Um, this is Sony Pictures Animation uh, continuing to do their signature style, but just do it more with more characters and blending styles together. A lot of like kind of watercolor uh, yeah. styles going on. Um, really great stuff with memory in this uh, movie. And just the sheer number of Spider-Men on display is, is incredible. There spider are so people. many spider and people. And a spider cat. Yes. yes. Spider beings. Um, <laughs> there are so many Easter eggs. You could pause the frame in, in many scenes and like notice something new and like watching the movie in the theater, I'm trying to read all the little subtitles and I can't, mm -hmm. I just, yeah. you just can't read everything on the first time. Yeah. So I haven't seen this a second time yet, but it's one of the ones that I'm dying to see again. And I think it's on Netflix. I want to say. I think it did it get at it. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, um, accessible now. I want to go back and like catch all those little funny quippy moments again um, and see how the filmmakers like change some of the frames since the theatrical release. Oh, I did hear. I <laughs> oh, really? heard about I that, about but I don't know the details of it. So yeah, I huh. I don't know if I'll be able to pick up on it. But it's um, not like any sort of George Lucas read. Okay, it's nothing else. like. Okay, so that's that's, that's a relief. <laughs> I would say it's just a striving for perfection. Yeah, uh, okay. that's fair. Um, and you know, we heard a lot of stories about how this studio they they crunched and they like really they worked in a way that probably was unhealthy for a lot mm -hmm. of the team. And that's, that's unfortunate. I hope they really take their time with um, beyond the spider verse. I, I hope they don't rush to try to get that out at the end, by the end of this year. I, yeah, um, no I don't see how that's possible, but I really hope they take hey, their time look, with diamonds it. Diamonds come from pressure. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I know there was a pretty big gap between the first one and this one. I think the first one was 2018 and mm -hmm. now 2023. So five years. Uh, about uh, between movies. So if they need that much time before the next one, I hope they do take it. And if the next one is as good as Into and Across, I think it'll be one of the best trilogies of all time. Um, what else can I say? Oh, um, this movie gives us a character and like a kind of a smaller villain in the film that's sort of based off of a throwaway joke from the first film. And I find that my jaw dropped when that when that revelation happened that I'm that guy from the first movie. I was like, what the freak, dude? <laughs> I love that they take that and just run with it. Mm -hmm. um, and it literally is a throwaway joke, like in that first mm -hmm. movie. So I just- Good year for Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> it is, yeah. He popped up in a lot of places. Good year for a couple actors too, other actors like Io Edabiri and yeah. uh, was in mm, everything yeah. too. But yeah, Might I think that's- her up later. Who knows? Maybe, but maybe not in this Maybe, show. I don't know. Uh, Who knows? Um, but uh, I think that's all I can say. Maybe this movie will show up again. I don't know. I had no hope of being the first to mention it. The <laughs> the only thing I'll say about this is uh, the two things that stick with me. So Eric and I yeah. saw this movie mm -hmm. together. Um, oh, cool. And unrelated is I had to go to the bathroom really bad during this movie. And I was like, I can't, I don't know when to get up. <laughs> yeah, so you peed your pants. So I peed my pants. No. So, so I just pee your pants. Okay. I was like, okay, like what's a good spot? What's a good spot? And I was like, okay, this, it's starting to dip down a little bit. So I went to go to the bathroom. I left and missed the end of the movie. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nord. Because I did not realize yeah. that it was a part one. Yes. Like mm-hmm. Essentially, yeah. It's a hard movie to clock because of that. And so yes. it was kind of dipping down. I was like, okay, I'm going to run to the bathroom real quick and Damn. I'll be back. And then I walk in and the credits are happening. Yeah, and you're like, what? I mean, to your credit, you did last a long time. Pretty much the entire movie. So I basically um, saw the entire time movie. To last. But yeah, there is a cliffhanger at the end of this movie. And even though I think there are some movies where I get frustrated that there's a cliffhanger because I just want the whole story mm-hmm. told to me. I want yeah. to feel uh, a sense of closure. Certainly a theme this year with several big properties. Well, but you were going to see the next one anyway. I was going to see the so next like, one anyway. And like, I still got a really full story out of this one. Yeah. Just like we're all going to see Fast X Part 2. There we go. Uh, the <laughs> other thing I will say is that maybe the biggest rainstorm I've ever seen in my life was that night. Oh, that too. was crazy. And um, then uh, you were so nice to like get your car and then, you know, drive us. Or to drive me back yeah. to my car, but by then it was starting to let up. <laughs> it like stopped like, raining, and I'm like just like a wet timing. cat. Um, <laughs> oh. It was fine, uh, but yeah, we'll leave it there. Okay. Um, we'll see what happens next. Uh, so my next uh, movie, very similar to Spider-Man, is Anatomy of a Fall. No, it's not. <laughs> oh what? Uh, no, it's fine. Uh, but no, my number five is Anatomy of a Fall. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> off for this. So when it's just kidding, can't be another poor things. Uh, no. Um, you said, who has seen this movie? Mm-mm. Okay, so I, I will I'm not, not say anything yet. Okay, I will not confirm nor deny. Ah, confirm nor deny. Um, I would just say that this movie was uh, so engrossing. Like this is my pick for best screenplay because it uses every word so well and um, and intentionally and so intentional. Uh, I mean, this is a courtroom drama that. Just you feel the pressure cooker the entire time and you sympathize for certain characters and then you start to learn other things about them. Um, I mean, Sandra Huller, so good in this movie. Um, the For a movie that that kind of seems a little bit foreign to – like there's so many things that people can grab a hold of in this movie um, and just like the relationship between um, a, a parent and their child and also a husband and a wife and like what people's needs are and how you have to give and take between both of those types of a relationship and um, the cryptic way that people say certain things but mean other things um, and how that can be interpreted in certain ways where you may think, oh, I was doing the thing that I was supposed to do. And then you learn later that it blows up in your face because they actually um, had this other internal feeling. And maybe that leads to negative things um, or it may not. And this movie is still kind of leaves things ambiguous, which I think is good. Um, but I kind of don't want to talk anymore about it. I don't want you um, to I don't. I just, I, uh, spoiler alert, this was Lexi's favorite movie of the okay. year. That's amazing. You know what? And I wanted to touch on that. I was like, okay, you know, it's been a while since we've seen Lexi. I'd love to know, does mm-hmm. she give you her list? Um, she, she told me her list. Oh, I, I should have. You didn't have, transcribe it. Okay. I didn't transcribe it. Do you remember it. like any other movies regardless of placement? Um, movies that have been brought up yes. that maybe yeah, yeah, yes 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 let's start there. um she what else did she really really like um she really liked barbie 
Mm. Yep. Um, that was one that she really enjoyed. Um, cocaine she, Bear. Cocaine Bear, there. obviously. I think that was number two or one. Yeah. Very high for her. <laughs> um, uh, talk to me is one cool. that was high on her list also. Uh, did but she enjoy Please Don't Destroy as much as we did? She, uh, I don't think, watched it. <laughs> she was uh, tending to the baby, and I think she was kind of in and out while we were while I was watching it. Uh, another movie, actually, that she really enjoyed was No Hard Feelings. No, cool. great. Um, that was one of her favorite movies of the year as well. So those are a couple ones, but she told me her favorite movie of the year was uh, Anatomy of a Fall. So I won't get any more into it. Um, but yeah, it's so good. Would recommend. Um, yeah. All right. Number four, Jared. I was going to say the courtroom movie I watched last year was The Burial, and I thought that was a good choice. I don't even know I saw that one either. It's Tommy Lee Jones and Jamie oh, uh, Jamie yes. Foxx. Yes. Okay, yeah. Anyways. Still didn't see it. Uh, my number four is uh, The Holdovers, as previously. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, um, Woo. Yeah, it just what a what a great movie! What a good adult. <laughs> what else dramedy. needs to be said? What a great movie! It's, 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 it's best summed up by this way: when after watching it, I, I told my wife, I was like, you know, I know I made you watch Maestro and Ferrari, and you hated those. You should have probably watched The Holdovers with me, and she, you know, in her sleep deprived state, tending to a baby, and all. She's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> I was like, you're welcome. Put it on your watch list, please. Um, <laughs> Yeah, again, uh, Nebraska's own Alexander Payne, you know, finding finding his groove again just with the smart adult drama with uh, a lot of humor, uh, a lot of sadness as well. He mixes all of those things really well, you know, kind of three broken people all at different stages of their life, you know, young, middle-aged, and, you know, getting on in years, and finding each other, finding solace in each other, all working through things together. Um, and yeah, Dominic Sessa, not just a breakout performance. Like this is his first performance. Hmm. You would never believe it from this wow. kid. Mm -hmm. Just phenomenal. I mean, it, the, the moment like he starts acting on screen, you know, he's kind of got some like kind of maybe like Adam Brody vibes or something like that. But uh, just just stunning in how assured he is. Um, in the film, which speaks to his character of Angus and how that character carries himself too. Um, you know, Payne set out to make like a seventies movie down to the fact, I mean, just like nice little touches, like the opening credits are all retro and look, focus features didn't exist back then, but if it did, mm -hmm. it'd have the opening logo that they imagined for it. So right off the top seeing that, I was like, all right, yeah, this, this movie's got me, uh, from the get go. And, uh, yeah, it just, it played out perfectly and not just Paul Giamatti and Dominic Sessa, but, you know, Devine Joy Randolph, who, I mean, gosh, you know, he's been watching her for a couple of years now, you know, only murders in the building and things like that. So to see her like get more and more roles to show her range as, you know, not just the, you know, kind of like the head cafeteria lady, at this boarding school, but one who is a bereaved mother grieving the loss of her son, she gets uh, she gets some just knockout scenes. So yeah, holdovers. Alexander Payne proven he's still got it, and I feel like this kind of took a slot over another movie I saw recently, which we've mentioned before, and is also deserved of mention. It'll be in my honorable mentions. I'll bring it up later, but yeah. 
need I, I want more adult dramas with great comedy like this no comment uh, <laughs> uh, I agree with everything you said, Jared. Yeah. Yes. Did you see this, by the way? I did not. Okay. It's, it's on my I want to watch list, but it's one of the ones I didn't get it's to. It's on Peacock. There you go. Okay, yeah, well, that go. helps. I got, uh, you know, I bought just like one month of Peacock just to rent it, which was, mm-hmm. uh, or just to watch it, which was cheaper than buying it. You can only buy it, not rent it right mm-hmm. now. I know. So. And it's That's... like probably like 20 or $25 to yeah, yeah, so yeah. I just spent the sex box or whatever, and I might cancel pe- Peacock. Just you know. binge The Office now. I don't know. What do you I, do with Peacock? Well, apparently it's, Oppenheimer is coming to Peacock on February 16th. Yep. Is so it, they're oh, like wow, – Because okay. it's universal. It's universal, I guess, yeah. yeah. So I might keep it around for that to Man. rewatch Oppenheimer, <laughs> then cancel. Peacock is is making waves. I think they're trying to use their power of NBC because they put – NFL playoff games on Peacock. Uh, also. I know. Yeah. And I biffed on watching the Chiefs game um, because I've got I've got a year long subscription to Peacock. Got it two dollars a month. I'm locked Ooh. in for two years. I, nice. That's I nice. Think I got it's the same an incredible deal. Yeah. deal that is yeah. really nice for a subscription service so few people have. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> no no, lo- no longer available that offer. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, number four for you, Erica. Ah, so uh, another movie I watched recently that messed up my top ten list and weaseled its way into a, a prominent spot. Wow. Uh, the Conference, the Swedish slasher film directed by Patrick Eklund. So um, I think I've mentioned before, slasher films are my least favorite horror genre. Maybe second least favorite. The other one would include that movie we talked about in group chat. Um, <laughs> do you want to give it a so free plug intrigued. again? <laughs> <laughs> do you? <laughs> I don't know if I want to mention that. Um, I, and I'm still traumatized by what I saw. But um, this, uh, the conference is one I really loved. Kind of reminded me of um, the 2006 film Severance, which was also about a bunch of people at a corporate team building retreat. This has that premise uh, as well. Um, oh yeah, and this I need to mention. This is a, a Swedish film, so there may be certain things mentioned in the film that I, you know, maybe went over my head because I don't know Sweden's laws around certain corporate and like, uh, you know, environmental issues. But I, I really like how witty and smart this is, especially with this. This is one of those films that's kind of about this faux, you know, corporate faux wokeness, you know, and virtue signaling. But really, the, the corporation and the people who run it don't care about these issues. So the, these people are on a, a corporate retreat out in the wilderness. They're getting psyched up for their next big project, which is developing Sid area of wilderness into a giant mall. But yet part of their objectives are like, we're going to be environmentally friendly. <laughs> and it's like, mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you're, like you're, you're being counterintuitive. Uh, yeah. yeah, build over undeveloped land and mess with the ecosystem. And and then you also find out kind of early on that they also bullied some old farmer off of his own property. And that resulted in him committing suicide. So it's like they're they're making you know enemies among local people. They're. Um, getting flack from an environmental and animal rights groups. So then when a killer shows up wearing the mask of the corporate logo and starts offing these people, it's like there's a long list of enemies that that they've made. And I, ultimately it doesn't matter who did it, even though there is this mystery aspect. It's just this – it's this very like wrongly hilarious movie. 
the first half, I would say, is just a comedy before it even becomes a slasher film. I've never heard of this movie. Yeah. So, I mean, this, there we go. Apparently, it ended, it's on Netflix. It ended up on Netflix's top 10 list in 66 different countries. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where are you getting these stats? Uh, from Netflix. It was uh, from She was watching Netflix. all of the movies we're mentioning on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Right now. She's currently doing that. And that was, <laughs> sorry, say the name again. Uh, the, the Conference. The Conference, okay. Cool. All right. Okay. Another one to add to the list. Yeah, yeah. I think three in a row that I didn't know about before tonight. Is that right? Yeah. Love oh, that. no. Because uh, I knew about Infinity Pool, but Brooklyn 45, Suitable Flesh in the mm-hmm. conference. And, I didn't the, know. and the other one was Barbie. The, yeah, yeah, Barbie. Yeah. I, what Just is a little, what was that? little obscure What was film, the one that yeah. started with the B again? What was, it was your number nine. Uh, yeah. Bo. My number four is Past Lives. Uh, okay. I saw this back at in the summer at the Ross. So it's been a while, but nice. this movie has stuck with me. Um, it is about a, we, we start with two young children in South Korea and they have a, they have a bond and one of them moves away. Um, this girl moves away and they sort of lose track of each other for decades and then they reconnect. And um, for, at first they talk over like uh, video calls and then they decide to meet in person again. And it is this very quiet movie about reconnection and destiny and love and what could have been, what might have been. And I was just taken with this movie. I forgot I was sitting in the movie theater. These, This story is not um, – you might expect this to be like kind of a, a standard romantic movie or a cliche romantic mm-hmm. movie where maybe – hey, they end up together in the end. And I won't say whether that happens, but it definitely feels grounded and like an authentic story and one that is very carefully told. And again, it is like quiet. It takes its time. There are moments where the characters are standing right next to each other and it feels like they are the closest they've ever been. And it also feels like they're the furthest apart they've ever been at the same time so just a beautiful movie um i teared up watching it um just one of the great dramas of 2023 in my opinion this was my this is my number 11 nice this one is the one that just fell off uh this is probably the realest movie of the year Mm -hmm. um everything that happens in this movie is so like so natural like and as someone who has never had an experience or doesn't have nearly the same experience that they have. You you feel so engrossed in their story, even though everything that's happening is so just normal. Like I, even if it's not a romantic relationship, you have those relationships in your past where maybe you moved and you've lost touch with this person. Mm-hmm. You wish that you like would have been closer with that person. Like I've had friend. I moved to Lincoln when I was in seventh grade, and there are people that I grew up with that were my best friends that we grew apart from one another and uh, when you see them again you feel that spark that you have i mean even people that i went to high school with that still live around i mean and you really feel that connection there and kind of the there's there's a kind of a melancholy in this movie too of um like the decisions that we've made are the right ones but also there's this lingering feeling in the background mm-hmm. while also doing that and standing by decisions, but also looking to what, what could have been. Yeah. There's and- a feeling of being remiss. Um, there's a, there's a feeling of like, 
you're you're this kind of quality that I always imagined you yeah. would be for the rest of your life, but you're also different than mm-hmm. I already imagined. And I also well, didn't imagine I would be doing this when I was a yeah. kid too. There's that examination. I think the best thing in regards to that is when they do reconnect as a as an adult and she just keeps saying, He's so Korean. He's so Korean like <laughs> and it's just like, Well yeah, I mean he, he lives stayed there. in South Korea. You have become moved to Canada and now you live in America and she's very westernized in the Mm. way that she is. And it's just like, that was her, that was her, but she just happened to move type of thing. Mm -hmm. And there's sort of a, not really a subplot, but there's more context through her husband too. And he adds an interesting layer there too. Um, The bar scene is uncomfortable is what I would say. That's the way I felt and that's kind of what we open on too. We get a little sneak peek at that, yeah. and then we get to see it more in that context later. Mm-hmm. So I just love how that's framed up too. Yeah, it's a very good movie. It's very mm-hmm. good. I I'm so happy it's nominated for um, best picture. Mm-hmm. So that's my number four. Dang. Yeah. I don't. I mean, you know, the choice that I made instead of watching Past Lives on the Plane. Uh, you still I watched a great movie that I made don't your list. Regret it. Yeah. yeah. But gosh, just different. You know, we're just we're in a weird age where like some of these movies should be more accessible. Like it's awesome when like Saltburn holdovers and things like that drop on like the, the streaming services mm-hmm. that people have and such. Yep. But like anatomy of a fall Joyride, uh, past yeah. lives. I just, you have to rent them or yeah, buy them. Yeah. That's it's. I rented it's, a lot of movies for this. I've got, I've got a handful of like Amazon credits from that. I always get, uh, from Christmas from like shipping and mm-hmm. getting like the $2 digital credits. I'm going to put them towards some of these movies yeah. that we're talking about. But uh, yeah, gosh. Yeah. Cool. Worth seeing. Um, I'm going to pivot pretty hard, <laughs> actually. And my number cocaine four bear. is cocaine. No, but honestly, <laughs> maybe as unhinged. Okay. My number okay. four is Bottoms. Oh, oh that's great. I don't yeah. know about this. Um, <sighs> bottoms is the way that I would describe it as chaos. I don't know if either, it's, it's if, generally described as like Fight Club with for girls in high school, right? Or but it's but it's like so cranked up. Ah, oh. like the people in this movie are not real people. No, <laughs> they are caricatures of high school archetypes, but to a degree where, like for example, the football team is like looked at as essentially gods at this school, mm-hmm. and they all just wear their football uniforms. <laughs> everywhere yeah. they go. Yeah, it's very They're satirical. the football team. Yeah. Um, this movie is hilarious. I thought I was laughing out loud throughout this whole movie. Um, but I also, I'm like one of the biggest Rachel Sennett fans I know. I think that she's one of the funniest people working right now. Uh, she also helped write this movie with uh, Emma Sigelman. Yep. Um, which... Directed uh, Shiva Baby, which was on my top 10 the year that it came out as well. Also starring Rachel Sennett. Mm-hmm. Um, not uh, also chaotic, but in a completely different way. In more of a closed location. In like a single claustrophobic location. sense. Yes. Yeah. Where this is like we live in an alternate universe sense. I mean, this is closer to um, – it's – It's kind of like book smart Yes. But, like but so much more, um, 
I don't know. There's just something about it that just pulls you in and the ridiculousness of everything. Yeah. Um, You get on this movie's wavelength pretty early. Like the movie lets you know this is the kind of movie you're in. And then it doesn't really let up from that. Yeah. And um, I want to talk about Marshawn Lynch. Oh, my God. Amazing. Such a good. A revelation. Like he's so good, unbelievably funny in this he movie. He's so funny. Um, if you uh, watch the show Murderville, if you watch I've heard that, of it. I've watched that. Uh, episode. His episode, his episode only is because you can tell just how funny he is as a person. And I think a lot how, of what he does is improvised. Yes, yeah. and very quick. He's so quick. And um, also, I love any comedy that uses the background very well. There's so many Easter eggs in this movie of things written on whiteboards and people standing in the background with signs or a guy in a cage a in get, the classroom. In the cl- yeah, there's a guy just in a cage because he's like a feral person. Yeah, basically. he's like an animal. Yeah. Um, and I thought that this movie was very satisfactory. I thought it wrapped up very fun. Um, it is. It's just such a joy. It's, I don't know. It's just so much fun. Um, and I mean, you talked about Io Edabiri. Don't want to, don't want to mm. talk about her. She is a little bit more centering in this movie, in my opinion, mm-hmm. but she's such a, she is also very good. The dynamic between Rachel Sennett and her are fan, oh, yeah, they work fantastic. So well. They work so well together, um, which I think they have collaborated before. In a previous thing, not a movie. Um, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but um, both the, performances are very good. All of they have a circle kind of with the the actors and filmmakers a- around them, where you can like. There are a lot of really close degrees of separation between all their projects. I do know that, but I don't know precisely what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. So there's a television show that only had three episodes, and it was called Ao and Rachel Are Single. Okay. And cool. so they had worked together before in that. And um, I just, it is definitely not for everyone. It is very vulgar, um, but it is. It's raunchy. Yeah. It's it's about, um, you know, teenagers trying to have sex. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point. Um, did you see this in the theater? I did not. I saw this in the theater and the theater experience for this was really interesting because this is kind of about. Gen Z characters. Mm -hmm. A lot of the other people, my theater was kind of packed. A lot of the attendees were like Gen Gen Z age. Did they enjoy it? They were eating it up. Okay. They were, they were actually laughing so much that they enhanced the power of some of the jokes. And I actually like was laughing along with them. I went with my (laughs) wife. We were like laughing with everybody else. Like we would have probably chuckled and laughed at the jokes, but it was such a good theater experience because everybody was just taking in the humor and like, being outward with their laughter and enjoyment. And um, we were just having a great time with strangers with this one. Yeah, I think, and I think that's something that, the reason why I love Rachel Sennett so much is that I think that she has tapped into kind of this Gen Z personality, but is so inward facing in that she knows that she's a joke. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Like you look at her character in this, you look at her bodies, in bodies, 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 bodies. She was my favorite part of um, that. Even Shiva Baby to a certain extent. Um, and then I haven't watched the show, but I've heard similar things about her role in the idol, the television show. Um, in she's just wonderful. Yeah. I, I'm waiting to see more stuff. A lot of self-deprecating humor, a lot of like awkward mm-hmm. humor. And a lot of like poking fun at a new generation, but still having care also. Like it's a loving 
a loving way of showing a new generation while still being able to make fun of it. Totally. So, um, I loved it. Such a fun movie. And I'll say it's not in my list, but I, again, it's like an honorable mention this year. It was just very strong. That's fair. All right. This movie is stupidly available on MGM plus and even like smaller streaming service than like stars or something. I actually had MGM plus last year through our cable service as a free subscription. Um, I, I've been trying to watch this one, and I keep hoping it gets moved over to a more accessible streaming service. I can't wait to watch this again. Cool. Is what I'll say. But yeah, that's my number four. Nice. Top three, guys. I know. Wow. I know. All right. Start us off. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse hey! for me. So this movie's also kind of special in that while I took both my kids to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, prior to that, I inaugurated my daughter, Ella, to the movie going experience with this one five-year-old girl didn't realize this would be an over two and a half hour movie (laughs) got a little dicey but she was a champ and it speaks to how good this movie is and how just beautiful it looks too that it just you know uh hits it's beyond eye candy it just it's hard not to look at the screen and she couldn't look away i couldn't look away and yeah, between this and Into the Spider-Verse, it's weird how like this one raises the stakes so much more after a movie that, you know, spoiler alert for Into the Spider-Verse, kills off Spider-Man in the first act. So for this one to kind of like double down on everything it was doing previously and even go bigger, I was just, yeah, I was, I was blown away again. Uh, Shamik Moore as uh miles morales that he's incredible i remember seeing him in dope yeah that's what i always think of and i'm like yeah this 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 kid's a star and he's got an incredible voice being put to perfect use here um jake johnson big fan of that guy i just watched his feature debut self-reliant too listening to him on podcast it just reinforces my love for him not a huge surprise that you know this movie coming off the birth of our third kid, a girl inspired my Halloween costume of being Peter B. Parker with my daughter as spider baby. But yeah, just everything that was said previously, I I concur and uh, support this, this for what kind of does feel like half of a movie an incredible half of a movie. Yeah, definitely. Well, we've already talked about this one. Yeah. So we'll keep moving then. Number three for you, Erica. Well, it's one we, uh, Featured on a previous episode, my number three is Evil Dead Rise. Nice. Okay. So you knew that was probably going to happen, at least for my list. Um, I didn't realize it was going to be this high, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I thought I it might be on your list. I wasn't so sure that it was going to be this high, but, but in, I rewatched it and like found I liked it even more on the rewatch. Um, so I, I know this, another entry that, is a little bit divisive among Evil Dead fans, but I think like even a lesser Evil Dead movie is better than a lot of other franchise entries of other series, I should say. So um, while I prefer the the Evil Dead movies that have Bruce Campbell in them because it's Bruce Campbell, right. I mean, why wouldn't this you? is this was awesome. It, it it had everything an Evil Dead movie is supposed to have. It. Um, uh, but it it had a unique twist on them by putting this into an, an urban, uh, more of industrial setting and um, 
having the still got to the cabin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they did have a little bit of cabin action there, but yeah, most of it was in this dilapidated apartment complex. Um, definitely had a very uh, stylish, gloomy, uh, grim look to it. it sort of um, maybe a little too slick in some ways, but a very I don't know stylishly grimy mm-hmm. cinematography uh, you know, type of style. But I I really liked this. I also liked the um, the di- the family dynamics because this is really the first Evil Dead movie where it, it, the demonic uh, presence is t- literally tearing a family apart as opposed to just a, a group of college buddies. Also, literally bringing them literally. together. Yeah, yeah, that is true. It's true. <laughs> that is true. Uh, spoilers. Uh, <laughs> Very vague. Um, yeah, yeah. I have seen this. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. I can uh, remember yeah. if you had seen this one. But. Uh, I didn't mention it on the podcast, but I watched it actually, I think around Halloween. It was one of my October oh, movies. Yeah, nice. okay. <laughs> what what did programming. you think of it? Uh... Oh, I I actually liked it. I uh, It's not in my list, but um, I thought it was like really slick. Mm-hmm. And um, just that the mommy's with the maggots now. Oh, it's yeah, like, yeah, like, <laughs> like, I always think back to that. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, yeah, I thought it was um, great as like kind of a closed, like one location. We're really trapped in this small space movie. Um, and to make a whole movie out of that, that's challenging because mm-hmm, you have to mm-hmm. find a way to separate the monster from the victims. How do you do that and make it make sense? Mm-hmm. And finding ways to use the hallway outside yeah. and the different rooms and some characters are incapacitated for a while and then they come back. So they did that really, really smartly. Yeah. I thought, yeah. yeah, I thought so too. And I, one thing I, I like, or at least I shouldn't say like, cause it makes me sound warped, uh, more warped. Uh, <laughs> it's the cheese grater scene. Yeah. Oh. Well, okay. Yeah. That was solid and very rich inducing. Or Chekhov's uh, cheese grater. There you go. <laughs> in, in all of the evil dead movies, the, the demons have, they psychologically, torture their victims before fully possessing them and sometimes mm-hmm. physically torture them too. And that's definitely a part of this, but because of that, that family connection, it's the mean spirited stuff that the the demons say to this woman's poor woman's family is like, oof, it, it's fun in a perverse way. Cause it's like, you can tell that the, the, the demons having fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, <laughs> It's also, yeah, definitely, definitely would be devastating to actually experience that type of thing. This, oh, sorry, go no, ahead. No, you go for it. Uh, this movie has one of the best title cards I've ever seen. It does, yeah. yeah. Great title. Incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, I was just going to say, I would say, listen to this episode, I think, mm-hmm. for that we had I, a great entry to what I would say is the most consistently good horror franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would say they haven't missed yet. No, yeah, all five movies in the series have depending i mean obviously we gave our we gave our rankings, we gave our rankings yep. but like i would say that all five of them have their merit all five mm-hmm. of them in com- pretty different ways yeah they all have a different flavor to them but the, this one is more like evil debt like the the 2000 and th- yeah it's 13, 13 remake, one yeah. um but still keeps it fresh mm-hmm. And very good entry. I yeah. loved that episode of Cinema Roundtable. Oh, that was thanks, really Bo. Fun. <laughs> it's so nice of you to say that. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I would we go into more detail on it in that in that episode. So I would say check that episode out. Uh, Jared, nope. Or wait, Jared, Bo. 
I was looking at Jared. I meant to say Bo. So totally fine. My number, what is this? Three. 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 Holy three crap. My number three is Anatomy of a Fall. Okay. I I'll take my headphones off for the next few minutes. I will not. I, I won't spoil anything. I'll try not to. Um, but this is one I saw recently. This was part of my binge. And I actually put this at like number six. And then I was like, you know what? No, that's my number five. No, it's my number four. And I it now is in my number three spot. It could honestly maybe sneak to number two at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't revealed what my number two is yet. But I just many days now after seeing it, I'm still thinking about all the details of this. And I'm thinking about what would I do if I was a juror in yep. this case? How would I absorb the story? How would I tell the story as the defendant? Mm-hmm. How would I... Uh, talk back to the prosecution because apparently in French court, it's like a conversation where you can just do a rebuttal on the spot and yep. no one will tell you that that's wrong. You can... Yet everyone still wears robes. Yeah. So those... it feels like really traditional, but also civilized. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's so weird. That's so different than how we do things here. And that it has to be expressed in French as much yes. as possible too. But then we find a way around that too. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie could have been eligible for, you know, the international feature. I wish it was. Um, it does use French a lot. It also uses English a lot. And it's interesting. And a little how, bit of German. And a, yes. And it's interesting how all those languages intersect in this movie. Um, the way the incident, the central incident is set up it's immediate. Like you see it from the get go. We just jumped right to that mm-hmm. scene. We don't know who these characters Jump. are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and from there, just pretend I did another pun on top of yours. <laughs> and then um, from there, we see this thing play out really mysteriously mm-hmm. and it's confusing. Yeah. And then we get more details and some of them are facts. Some of them are memories some of them are like accurate facts that come from memories and uh, eyewitness accounts. And so it's this blend of all this stuff going on. And it's a great examination of how we misremember things and um, how flawed the you know court system can be. But it's no matter also, where you are, no matter where you are, but it's also the only it's also the best way you could do it. Yep. So this is just how we have to accept how the world works. Yep. But then it's also about the this marriage. Yeah. And we discover more about these characters. And there are just layers and layers built on top of these people. There's a great flashback scene that we get to see some of and we don't get to see other parts of. And I think that balance is um, incredible as well. So it's at the end of the day, it's just a movie that I think I'll be thinking about for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the, the writing, the dialogue is really fast, really smart. It picks apart language. It shows how language is fallible. Mm-hmm. It, there's just so much to dissect with it. Spoiler alert for my list. This is not the last Best Picture movie, Oh, but if this won Best Picture, I would be happy. 100% same. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't think it will. I don't think it will. Um, if, I mean, it were, if it were nominated in the international feature category, I think it would be a front runner. Agreed. I mean, I... We're not going to talk about it. Uh, we'll we'll suck that comment back in before it happens. But but yeah, we'll close save, we'll close the attic window on that comment. Oh my goodness, right? this guy over here, right? he's got Does that one work? that okay. works. Yeah. Um, my number three is a movie that we haven't said yet. Ooh, really. exciting! And it's a Best Picture nominee. It's Killers of the Flower Moon. Hell yeah! Cool. Um, 
I'm the first to the party. We'll see if I'm the last to the party also. Um, this is the new Martin Scorsese movie, a little director that could. Um, but no, I thought that this movie um, led by Lily Gladstone um, was so engrossing. Um, everything about it was so captivating, the way that people manipulate other people, the way that people use their power um, for what people may think is good but is actually nefarious. Um, And this is just like a powerhouse movie too. I mean, you've got um, Lily Gladstone, who's not well known, but also Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio and Jesse Plemons and, and just these different people who are just killing it. Um, And kind of seeing how people use their power, but also their intellectual, like, their smarts as well and how their charm, uh, their charm and all of the different things in their arsenal to use to pull one over on another person. And um, I mean, this is based on a true story. So, I mean, we don't need to get into spoilers anyway, but um, it's just such a, it's, it's not the best Martin Scorsese movie, but it is one of his best movies in my opinion. Um, and even though this movie is very long, I know that it's one that I would go back to again. And, um, I also would just love to see more, um, representation in the native community as well. I feel like that's a group that doesn't get to be shown in the spotlight very often. So a story like this with a native lead is such a breath of fresh air as well. Um, and I just love this movie. So well, wanna... I didn't. I didn't see it. So okay. I guess so I can't we'll talk go from it. there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll chime in. It was on my short list. It did not make my okay. list. But uh, yeah, this especially coming off the Irishman, like this is definitely in the vein of like where Scorsese is at now with like a reexamining like his, his history and things like that. And it is. It's it's pretty towering. Yeah. Um. In a lot of ways, like the scope, the tragedy. Um, and just the infuriating uh, treatment, beyond infuriating treatment. And then, like, that third act, like, Mm -hmm. the way it wraps up, basically, like, the appropriation of telling the story yet again Mm -hmm. from different people's perspective. Exactly, yes. Um, And... You know, Scorsese, Scorsese makes cameos in a lot of his movies and he's like, he's directly confronting it. Yes. And this is a movie that feels like a Scorsese movie, but also is a departure from the Scorsese that we know, which is great, which is what he should. It's a, you look at a movie like Silence or something like that, which I think would fall more into this type of a situation where familiar yet completely branching into a new territory like the the first um yeah maybe like 20 30 minutes kind of like had a little bit of like some goodfellas energy as far as like kind of mixing some stuff but fair um which i would have been fine with i mean i go back and rewatch you know all of those scorsese movies regularly but yeah this this one was so much more and to know the history also of the development of this movie where it was mm-hmm. originally going to be from the FBI's perspective yeah. with Leo playing the Plemons part and then they just they overhauled this 180 degrees I think they made the right choice yeah I yeah. think Plemons in this role is great Plemons is one of the most underrated actors working right now in my opinion mm-hmm. uh dude knocks it out of the park every oh, time Oh I know yeah maybe not as like 
embraced by audiences yet, but like filmmakers know him and they use him. And yeah. he's got his, some upcoming his, roles. His character's appearance in the movie changes like the whole personality and like the chemistry mm-hmm. of the movie from that point onward. I thought you just didn't see this movie, Bo. Uh, so I've heard. So you've heard. So okay. I've heard. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's my number three, Killers yeah. of the Flower Moon. I yeah, have not good. seen it, but it is on my watch list. Okay, there we cool. go. All right. Number two, everybody, we're almost there. Oh, I know, I know we've been nervous. in this booth for is a long time. Nervous? I'm nervous. A little bit nervous. I'm nervous for I'm, my number one. Not my number two, it's Oppenheimer. Okay. So okay. it's the nolan Well, like do that. we just want to talk together then? That's great. Um, I'll, I'll start just... By sure, sure. saying it's the Nolaniest movie, uh, <laughs> Nolan ever Noland out there. I mean, it's it's his whole bag of tricks at work um, for a monumental work, and like <laughs> mixing black and white footage with color footage. You got memento. You've got like abstract visuals that are jarring that come as it's transitions of scenes. You go back to insomnia with that. You've got nonlinear storytelling. I mean, you can take your pick there. Section titles like Dunkirk, uh, set pieces, driving score, overly long runtime, even suiting up. Like the scene where Oppenheimer, Killian Murphy, is putting together his kind of like uniform with his hat. I mean, yeah, it's it's not yeah. that different than like Christian Bale. Like, you're as, not wrong. As Batman. <laughs> so the only thing missing is Zimmer. I know. That's the know. only thing that would change Which, to make it the most Nolan know, movie but of it all time. It still has a driving score that is like kind of like moving it. And it's yeah. a little bit more like subtle with more undertones, but like he he has this just great use of all like like faculties for a movie. And this again, three hours, but man does it move. Yeah. And I know people have like their issues with the third hour, and I kind of did too. <laughs> When I got when I rewatched it with my wife, because you know I saw it in theaters, saw it on IMAX, as big of a screen as I could, you know she was eager to watch it, and you know while we were watching it, you know in sections she was like, "This is it, definitely the best movie you know you've shown me in a while," and then we got to the third hour and she had heard a lot about it, like her folks saw it and they were like, "What's up with that third hour?" Mm-hmm. I was like, "I know I've got my issues too," but upon rewatching it, I, I don't know. I was not necessarily like pulled in more by it, but I was kind of more okay with it. I'm a big JFK fan, so I'm okay with JFK Light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And RDJ is RDJ. Yeah. And you can't go wrong there. So, and I think it was just such smart storytelling all around for what could be a dense topic and the mm-hmm. way he chops it up and moves things around. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know. I think most people would cite the Trinity test as just kind of like the set piece of all set pieces for him. But yeah, I think just uh, on the whole and what he's like examining with like American history and man's, you know, contributions and destruction to this world. Just, yeah, uh, I feel like we're we're in for a big run at the Oscars with it. Kind of feels like that. Well, Erica, you are leading on that this is also your yes, number two. It is. That's, and like wow. yet another hell freezing over yeah. moment. Not only is this like a best picture nominee, it's a movie that's like about three hours long. And normally I am the one who's always complaining about movies with these darn long run times <laughs> that movies are that long. It means that there's some self-indulgence on the part of the filmmakers or lack of discipline or both. But in, this is one of those rare instances where the, the length is completely justified and I would say completely necessary to tell the story. And this thing is perfectly paced. There was, for me, there was never 
a dull or boring moment. It was just mesmerizing. And especially that's also unusual for, for me, for a movie that's almost completely dialogue driven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, just the, the writing and the performances, um, I also have to say I really love the soundtrack that the the soundtrack also kind of helped ramp up the tension that was already mm. present with the dialogue in many scenes so it's like I yeah I have nothing negative to say about this movie I, I think it was excellent I think Gorenson had a big big like it was a something that could have fallen on their on his face basically with the score because of how bombastic the movie is in a lot bombastic. of ways. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And having to be I in the shadow that's of that's Zimmer that's being yeah. the guy and I think uh, I mean it I would guess this is probably going to win best I score. Feel, I feel yeah. like it may end up winning best picture but we'll see. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. either. Something else about the score is um unlike other Nolan films where it feels like there's like all the the gravity and weight happening in the moment in the soundscape, it feels like the score in this is dreadful. Like yes. there's, we feel like there's yeah. something bad coming. Mm-hmm. There's always that like looking ahead and like what um, with the creation of this, with the, um, the, the whole project we're doing here, mm-hmm. what shoulders are we creating that future generations will stand on? And yep. is it like how, what is going to be the gravity of that, that we won't even live for. Correct. And I think that that's part of what the score is doing mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Anything else? Anything else you'd like to say, Erica? No, that's pretty much. Listen to the the episode again. Our Barbenheimer Barbenheimer episode. episode. That was a very Uh, fun episode. It was. Bo, number two. Uh, Flipping back a little bit, uh, I'm going to put at my number two spot a film I just watched on my phone at 35x speed (laughs) Killers of the Flower Moon. Ah, I love it. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what else I can add here. But um, this was just totally engrossing, and um, I did not feel the time pass in this movie. It's no. you know the three hours long. I could have probably watched more. But something that was just really, just that was devastating was how coldly this this these tragedies happen. Like yeah. just how emotionless they happen. How these people are just killed and used, and every other atrocity in this movie. Um, because they're not treated as people. Mm-hmm. And so that is communicated in a very tragic way. And um, Jared, you pointed out like kind of the end sequence. And that's just another way to demonstrate how these tragedies kept going, even after they were happening in this moment that the movie focuses on for so long too. Yeah. But yeah, incredible performances. Um, going back to Oscar talk, I'm kind of surprised again that like Leo isn't nominated for best yeah. leading actor, but of, yeah, a lot of a lot of great performances this year. I think know? Gladstone is the favorite and will most likely I'm win. I'm so happy about that. Yeah, um, she is very good. Yeah, she is. She is. Um, she is amazing. a calm yet powerful demeanor to her that is just unlike you see in a lot of movies. Yeah, so good. Um, she commands every scene she's yeah. in. Yeah. So yeah, everything you said as well. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. Um, so my number two, and this is this is one of those movies where I was like, is this really one of my favorite movies of the year? But I had to be real with myself. And number two is Blackberry. Wow. Nice. That's awesome. Dude. Holy this crap. was a movie that I absolutely loved. Holy crap. Um, I was so... As much it, as he loves hockey? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if... 
if you're familiar with Matt Johnson's work in the past, um, he had a movie called The Crazies um, that is very good. Um, he also had a movie called uh, Operation Avalanche that is also a good movie. But I would like to, uh, if you're going to watch one Matt Johnson thing, it's Nirvana, the band, the show. Uh, such a funny project. But mm-hmm. that's not what we're talking about right now. Um, Blackberry, though. Um, I love to watch kind of kind of what you were talking about, this kind of quick ascend and then also fall. And I think you see that with Jay Baruchel's character a lot. So sadly. Where it's like you have this very Jay Baruchel style character of this very kind of meek, Nebbish, uh, nerdy yeah. character and him kind of cosplaying as a <laughs> as a powerful businessman and having to kind of change his personality, but also still having that one foot in the door of these creatives who have like their movie nights and, and they're making references to all these things. Um, but both Matt Johnson and Glenn Howerton in this movie, I thought just completely knocked it out of the park. I love the kind of handheld style directing that we see from Matt Johnson that really builds this tension within this movie. And they're talking about a subject matter that while important to tell is also just kind of a footnote of history as well. And to be able to talk about something that a lot of people don't even probably remember in terms of the newer generation, but be able to still make it very engrossing, very captivating. And, and just, uh, this is a movie that I know I'm going to go back to all the time. Um, it moves so fast. Um, and I just absolutely loved it. Um, wow. I'm so sorry I missed it. Damn. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, it's so good, and that's all I'll say about that's it. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, love that it was um, on your list as well. And as we're transitioning into our number one, I feel like I don't know what your guys' number ones are. I know. I'm I feel ex- like we were excited about this. Yeah, I think you I, know. I what think my I know. One is. Maybe know your. Well, actually, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, but I, I, I should hunch. have been logging who was saying Barbie and Oppenheimer that's and Spider Verse at different. That's times. the thing is that yeah. uh, the ones that we kind of led on to maybe or maybe not seeing, people have brought them up. So I am very intrigued to see what we have. Um, but Jared, what is your number one? So, uh, I don't know. Two weeks from now, two months from now, two years from now, this will be my number one. Maybe it's a bit of a reaction to the Oscars. Uh, but this movie uh, just devastated me. And yet at the same time, I believe it is A24's most accessible movie to all audiences, and that is The Iron Claw. Wow! This movie was something else. Uh, From director Sean Durkin, Martha Marcy May Marlene, filmmaker, comes a fairly straightforward story. I don't know know, what y'all's familiarity is with wrestling in the 80s and the WWF and things, but the Von Erichs mm-hmm. were kind of a wrestling family dynasty that kind of like built up a little bit of a, kind of like a farm league uh, for wrestling in Texas and everything. But uh, yeah, as far as Oscar snubs go, Zach Efron, what he's doing here, man, it's just, you started to see his range beyond, you know, his, Disney roots and mm-hmm. high school musical stuff with like neighbors and you're like ah great he can he can be funny too and he looks the way he does how fair mm-hmm. is that kind of like a Ryan Gosling a little <laughs> yeah. bit and then in this movie you know it's such an inward insular performance you know of 
uh, of a son in the middle, a son against his father, trying to do his best, maybe always being overshadowed by others and by the fact that if if you know anything about the Von Erichs, it's what's known as the Von Erich kind of curse, the tragedy mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. has befallen this family. Uh, this Not knowing the full story, this movie showed me so much more than what I knew or mm-hmm. remembered. But um, yeah, all all the roles are filled by just tremendous performances. I mean, you have Jeremy Allen White as another one of the Von Erich brothers alongside Zac Efron. Uh, there's Harris Dickinson as probably maybe one of the most beloved brothers in there too. Holt McCallany is the father. I mean, yeah, you could easily just boil this movie down to daddy issues. But Mara Tierney, she's in there as like this very uh, ineffectual mother who at various points maybe tries but just can't like connect with her boys as like things mount and the suffering happens. There are two lines in this movie that, that, that wrecked me. Um, that stay with me. And as soon as I think about them, just like my own personal connection to them, it just, they just continue to devastate me. But like without context, one is you must be my big brother, Jack, Mm. and we'll be your brother's dad. Mm. Um, when you see the movie, especially with one of those lines, the scene itself should not work, but it does Mm. just because of what the movie has built up to and what it has shown you. But yeah, this 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 movie just it it ruined me. It affected me, and it stayed with me. Hmm. So, and I think anybody could go to this and appreciate it and get it. It's number one on my list of movies I didn't see. Yeah, I didn't see this either. It's on my either. missed list as yeah. like something that har- I'm heartbroken over that I didn't see. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It, and, it, it, yeah. And if I was going to see one more movie anticipation for this podcast, it would be yeah. Iron Claw. So. It'd be up there for me too. Yep. And they even cut out some of the tragedy with this family. Mm. Like as far as it goes, they didn't even show everything. That's good. To, that's great to hear that it's like approachable for anyone too. Yeah. Like, Because sure. I love stories like this. Um uh, and I'm glad I don't have to like have familiarity with it to enjoy it. I didn't no. get the sense that I needed to. No, so that's, that's reassuring good, yeah. though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Number one, Erica. Uh, well, uh, once again, I typically hate slasher films, but there's one that just had to take the number one spot, and that movie, Cocaine Bear, <laughs> Scream Six, is Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Oh, that was no, going to be my no, joke. No, 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 no. Okay. Really <laughs> I have I another like, one. Where, how serious are we here, folks? We're not serious. No, it's, it's Eli Roth's Thanksgiving. Oh, that's right. Gosh, okay. that's my biggest. Miss. I should have known that. Yeah. Um. It's like. I'm so happy that Eli Roth is back making R-rated horror films. Um, you you can just tell he has such a, a great time with doing these these horrible death scenes and special <laughs> effects, and um, it, it's like it's like unsettling and uncomfortable, but it's also it makes you giggle at the same time. Like I don't know, it's um, it's just the effect most of his movies, at least his horror movies, have on me, and I I also really love the whole. Um, criticism of uh black friday uh you know sales and the the consumerism and corporate greed around that so i i think that kind of helped boost the plot just for above being just a holiday themed slasher film and of course there is the outstanding performance by tonic the cat 
as, as mentioned role. before. As, and this is like the worst Oscar snub of, of know, all of time, this, maybe. Of, maybe of all time. Like, in line with like John Wick Chapter 4, like I feel like there should legitimately be like best like – Creature performance. There should be best stunt performance. Yes, the Oscars there should are be there, and best like Preach. voice acting performance Preach. as well. Yes, mm-hmm. all of the above. All of it. Yes, they really want to connect with like more audiences and do. That's more. how you do it. The, like that is it, how you do it. especially like with the Golden Globes, literally picking up the Academy's trash with like best ach- cinematic box achievement office. at the box yeah. office. Wow. <laughs> Anyways, trying to get Taylor there. So. <laughs> Um. Yeah, we. I should have so, known this. Yeah, I. I thought. Mm. I'm surprised you did. Still see haven't that seen. Coming. Still haven't seen it yet. But I, know, I am. I'm tracking it forward. It's, it's home release. When is it supposed to come out? I uh, end <laughs> of this month. Early oh, February. sweet. All right. Yeah, well, there you go. Also, um. Yeah, I've already pre-ordered my Blu-ray. It's Perfect. coming out on the 30th. Oh, so, love that. Uh, but yeah, this this was definitely. Oh, just just such a, a joy, and it's probably going to become like an annual tradition. Love uh, that Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving time. Movie. Yep. Nice. Love it. Cool. Um, real quick, I forgot to mention, we we hinted at the animal performance in my list, mm-hmm. and you probably know what I was talking about now, but it's Anatomy of the Fall. Mm-hmm. Anatomy of a Fall. The dog. Yes, the dog. Yeah. But just wanted to address that. Yes. My number one is a sequel. Guardy. Saw 10. So, oh, no. Saw 10. It is... <laughs> Expendables 4. Oh, really? Otherwise known as Expend Fourables. Just kidding. It is not, it is not that. It is so not now that. we're all just like, messing with our he's, final. He's going a little long on this. Yeah. Um, my number one is Oppenheimer. Yay. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, you both said everything. I mean, this is this movie mostly just amounts to very furious men shouting at each other. Yeah. <laughs> and it works for me really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a huge Nolan fan. And like you said, this is every Nolanism <laughs> wrapped up into one film. And um, when looking at my top like three or four, I love all these movies. And the, the decider for like what's going to be my number one um, came down to what's the movie that I think the most about that I um, – gave me the biggest emotional wallop in the moment that I saw it and the one that I most desperately want to rewatch. Yeah. And for the answer to all three of those is Oppenheimer. So that's why I put it in my number go. one. So I like it. Yeah. And that will be the only one that is on everybody's list. I think. Yeah. We've do it. Cause oh, yeah, you had, had it at nine. Yeah. You had it at nine. Right? Yeah. Yes. Um, so you, did you have a guess? So I thought yours was going to be Oppenheimer, but then I remembered it was your nine. Yeah. So I don't know. Okay. So my number one is uh, The Holdovers. Hey. Oh, um, yes, that's right. I should have made a joke. I should have said it was something, something else. Oh, yeah, but you did comment on it earlier. Yeah. I totally forgot. Yes. Yeah. Um, my favorite film of the year was The Holdovers. Uh, this is a the coziest movie mm-hmm. of the year. Um, yeah. I mean, again, kind of what Bo said you two who did put it in your list have said everything about it already. Um, just Paul Giamatti though, in this movie and, uh, his character, the different highs and lows that you see of him, um, kind of his, um, posturing 
as <laughs> as like one type of person, but finding out a little bit more about his backstory and things yeah. about that. So good. Such a nice, satisfying ending, in my opinion, that's um, kind of bittersweet, but also hopeful, hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, such a good movie. Definitely will be revisiting it. I mean, it'll probably turn into a Christmas movie for me, though. Um, yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. And I also loved the change uh, or the retro intro. Yeah. I wanted to say something and I was like, no, I'm not going to lead on to this. Um, but yeah, holdovers is my favorite. Um, I feel like by the time we get to number one, I, outside of Erica's, I mean, we all have talked about the movies that we talked about, so I don't really have anything uh, else to the say. Iron about Claw, again, or, I guess you said here. Iron Claw. Jeez. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, there you go. Um, but no, that's my number one. It's fantastic. Um, but yeah, so that's our top 10 list. Um, I, I wish I could remember the letterbox user who said it so perfect, not like summed up the movie, but Paul Giamatti's look, he's literally a live action, the Lorax. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. great. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Um, but I guess we've been in this booth for a long time, so I think we should probably uh, rapid fire yeah. if there's anything. Is there anything that people wanted to bring up as honorable mentions? Yes. Okay. Yes. Go, Erica. Um, American Fiction. Yep. yep. I just saw Top it on Wednesday. Haven't seen it. Saw it this last weekend. Yeah, I, I saw it on Wednesday, and it's like I almost rearranged my top ten list again. It's like I need to just stick with what I have now. It's yeah. too late to add something but i i really love that movie it was very funny um so smart but again it's like scratching that itch of like just good adult drama mm-hmm. with comedy and sterling k brown holy smokes i'm so glad he got an oscar yeah. nomination mm-hmm. along with jeffrey wright overdue yeah, yeah absolutely american fiction yes the 100 percent with eric on that others I have a list of like a dozen. Yeah. Can so I just, just want to go fire? boom, 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 Can boom? I? Yeah. These would it. be like my next rankings. So like yeah. 11 onward, right? Yeah. So poor things. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Air. Bo is Afraid. I was wondering if that would get. Uh, Super Mario Brothers movie. Ooh. Uh, movie I've seen a lot. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Creed 3. Theater Camp. Asteroid City. Bottoms. Mm. American Fiction. The Boy and the Heron. Evil Dead Rise. Barbie. Oh, okay. I guess I, oh, sorry. I do have more to my list. Oh, go for it. Yeah, go. Yeah. So I also, um, other than American fiction, I also have Asteroid City, Sisu, Saw 10, The Blackening, Attachment, Unseen, Talk to Me, Renfield, Influencer, Wrath of Becky, They Clone Tyrone, Birth slash Rebirth, and Perpetrator. Cool. Some of those sound like, um, Shutter films. Some of them are. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wrath of Becky. I almost started watching that because I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed Becky. Mm-hmm. Lulu Wilson, phenomenal. Yeah, she's yeah, she's, she's great. great as that character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, a lot has already been mentioned. John Wick Chapter Four. I sh- should have slotted that in top ten. American Fiction, so good. Sisu as well. As far as just like fun carnage, mm-hmm. uh, the structure similar with its chapter titles. Love that. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Three. As far as like a pretty down year for superhero movies. James Gunn still delivered a pretty emotional, satisfying, entertaining movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the only movie that I would put on my honorable mention that I haven't already talked about is Theater Camp. Okay. Um, yeah. That movie uh, was saved for me by the third act. That was a phenomenal third act. Great third it act. Was, yeah. um, a great encapsulation of just the way that theater and amateurs um, <laughs> act and talk and and all those things. So good. Uh, but yeah, that's all my honorable mention. Every other honorable mention I had has already been talked about. Um, 
But yeah, and we also kind of talked about all the things that we missed out on as well. Yeah, there, I certainly. have I have some that you mentioned, but here I have another like dozen. That I, <laughs> okay, gonna, we'll do we'll do rapid fire. Rapid again. fire. Okay, these are in alphabetical order. Perfect. Do you want me to just say them all? Go for it. Um, all of us strangers, BlackBerry, uh, Dream Scenario, Infinity mm. Pool, The Iron Claw, May December, Nimona, No One Will Save You, Rye Lane, Society of the Snow. Talk to me in the zone of interest. Okay. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't have, uh, other than like the other Best Picture nominees, I don't have like an organized list of want to see. Oh, yeah, there was one called Eileen that I would like to see that looked kind of like a, mm. some kind of mm-hmm. twisty thriller. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Jared? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Poor Things and Anatomy of Fall are the two big ones, but I've been trying to track down like ways to see Joyride mm-hmm. Bottoms. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Past Lives is. In a past life, I would have chosen that go. over Blackberry. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Out of curiosity, was there a biggest disappointment for all y'all? And what brings that up for me is one that Bo mentioned in his honorable mentions. Not that it was a bad movie, but uh, coming off of Mission Impossible Fallout being so high, oh, Dead yeah. Reckoning was actually sure. a pretty big letdown for me. Sure. I remember but. being super high on that movie, mm-hmm. and then over time, my my memory of it just kind of weakened. Mm-hmm. So it just didn't leave as lasting of an impression mm-hmm. as Fallout Fair for enough. me. Yeah. I, so I see where you're coming from. Uh, Asteroid so. City is probably in that for me. Uh, Asteroid okay. City and then on a smaller degree, uh, Fool's Paradise. Okay. Um, that's a Charlie Day's directorial oh, debut. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was a little more low-key. Pretty, yeah. Under the radar. pretty killer lineup for the, yeah, the cast. But, but yeah. pretty disappointing. Um, the Killer. The Killer. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. fair. Um, I have like two or three. I would say The Creator. I thought the creator had Double Oscar so, nominee. Much, so much potential and it is amazing like um, technical achievement. Yeah. It's just that the story is not very deep. It's mm. not very compelling mm. for me. Um, and then honestly, Saltburn for the reasons we kind of talked about mm-hmm. where it's like it's trying to like have its cake and eat it too. It's kind of trying to do this mystery, but also tell you what's going on, but then also have the twist at the end. And it's yeah. like, no, you told me what the I twist is. That was going to be my question for Jake since it was on your list is what did you actually feel it was about or trying to do? I mean, the thing about it and the reason why it's it was on my list I'm but low wrap, wrap my is that it. I feel like there's very surface level things like the social – class stuff which is kind of interesting because of some revelations that we see with Barry Keoghan's character but it was one of those movies that I just kind of enjoyed watching even Mm -hmm. if I think that some of the um, things they're trying to get across weren't as well executed as I would have liked it to be sure but but yeah Um, yeah I guess a quick fire on my uh, didn't see list that I want to say were uh, uh, Return to Soul um, May December Ferrari Zone of Interest The Boy and the Heron American Fiction, Dream Scenario, Iron Claw, Dumb Money, and Godzilla Minus One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those would be mine. Um, is there anything you guys are looking forward to, to tw- in 24? Yeah, there was supposed to be come out in 2023, but it's a Netflix title, and they just will hmm. release things, I guess, whenever. Gareth Evans of The Raid, uh, Redemption, Raid 2, he's got a new movie called Havoc with Tom Hardy mm. uh, that was supposed to come out last year. Okay. Didn't yeah. hmm. so I hope to see it this year. We'll see. I think I saw the trailer for that. Huh. Erica, <laughs> um, the Master and Margarita uh, adaptation that just released in Russia on the twenty fifth, uh, but who knows when it will make it to the states? I love the novel that it's based on, 
is uh, the novels like a classic of Soviet era literature, and uh, it has a uh, gigantic talking demonic cat who can also, um, which is like your bread and butter. So can also Have fire you told us about this brief I think uh, so. Okay, yeah, so. you did. Yeah, you talked about this. Really familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Number one anticipated for you, Bo. Uh, it's it's a toss up between two. Hot sandy movies, Dune Part Two <laughs> and, and Furiosa. Furiosa. I don't yeah. know which one I should hmm. more I hotly anticipate, but uh, I'll go with Furiosa. That's fair. I, I do want to see that as well. Yeah, yeah. I think my number one is Nosferatu, oh. Nick Eggers movie, oh, new Eggers cool. movie. That's probably my number one with Furiosa. And uh, Civil War, the new Alex Garland film, also oh, would say, be another one that yeah. I would be looking forward Man, to. Jesse Plemons in that trailer. Mm-hmm. Just chilling. Yeah. So, guys, we covered a lot of ground tonight. It is. Um, kudos to anyone sticking <laughs> out this whole time. Um, I hope you guys learned a lot. Um, hi, Mom. Per usual, uh, <laughs> hi, Steven Spielberg. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I know you're listening. Um, but per usual, we don't have anything lined up quite yet. But I'm glad that we took out. the extra time to kind of watch a lot of the movies that we wanted to see this year. Um, thank all. you to all of you for all of the stuff that you've contributed. Um, it's always fun. And uh, we'll start a new year of Cinema Roundtable. But until then, we'll see you at the movies. This episode was recorded in the studios of KZUM 89.3 FM in Lincoln, Nebraska. You can find out more about KZUM and listen to more episodes of Cinema Roundtable by visiting kzum.org. Our theme music was composed by Joshua Spaulding.